0: for another episode of the out of the box podcast episode 43 during the regular season this is episode i don't even know we've recorded so many over the last three or four years we're so happy to be back gray robertson tom canterbury tom good evening how are you good and celebrating our 2000th follower on the twitter yes we are thank you at jen burrows eight wow and that tweet is 21 likes goodness okay we're now at 2010 followers wow if we can get to 2200 by the postseason i'm gonna be thrilled it'll be a very successful regular season for us i didn't think we were gonna get to 2000 we're at like 1850 and i said at 2000 by the postseason that seems feasible somewhat here we are already here this is as it's as though people like softball i think so (laughs) we just tweet (laughs) sirens and videos of us at games (laughs) people are in (laughs) it's another big episode as one might expect we will start at the plate as we take a look at the trip around the bases and discuss the bama bash which included two wins over a top 10 team tom they were just amazing ball games they were so fun i mean just from like a softball fan perspective yes i had a blast calling them i know you did Mm -hmm. it
1: it was it was epic theater well and it it just shows you that you know you don't have to have a lot of runs scored in a game for it to be an exciting and, and epic softball game and we got two of those this this week and Looking forward to more moving forward. We will advance to first and go through the SEC
0: as we always do. The three teams down in Clearwater, Florida is still undefeated. So is Texas A&M. A couple other teams had some bad losses this week. We've also got, of course, FGCL Player of the Week. But, Tom, so much to touch on. And, again, it seems like two teams in the conference are kind of separating themselves already. And I'm not sure that's what we thought was going to happen.
1: No, because um, we we talked about it in, in the – uh, season premiere when we were previewing the league thought that there was a lot of teams that had a good, had a chance to contend, uh, for the championship, but definitely you've seen Alabama and Florida as, you know, separate themselves as one and two as of right now. And, um, everyone else seems to be doing a Kentucky, uh, trademark. And we got a lot of enigmas in this league right now. We have a lot of enigmas in the country. You get past the first like five or six, which, can, Who knows? which makes it a lot of fun because you don't know what you're going to get from one day to the next. I,
0: I'm fairly confident that the list of teams that will actually win the national championship is pretty small, but the list of teams that can make it to OKC is pretty large. Right. So... That'll be something, of course, that we touch on throughout the rest of the year. Then we will steal second with our friend Amanda Scarborough from ESPN, who is back for
1: the first time in Season 4. And she was down in Clearwater this past weekend and got to see a lot of great softball. We'll talk about all that. A
0: lot of lengthy
1: games for Amanda. Call
0: strikes! Then we will round third and look at St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational winners and losers. There were some clear winners. There were some very clear losers. Yeah. like very obvious that yeah. we
1: will touch on because you can't just look at it necessarily and say well if somebody went four and one or five and oh and then if somebody went two and three or three and two those are those records are not all created equal right in a tournament that level
0: yes we'll also look at the big games out in week three including a tournament in palm springs featuring some big old matchups and then we will head home we've got a note on tournaments that, mm-hmm. that tom is going to deliver that well, is yeah. not a part of off the wall we've also got off the wall right and then we will wrap up and
1: and get ready to roll into a weekend in louisiana the note on tournaments is about tournaments in general for softball and as well as a particular tournament that just happened in clearwater that's that's coming up stay tuned mm. or yeah. fast forward but i would don't fast forward <laughs> we got some good stuff before
0: <laughs> the segments uh, <laughs> right. time cheated you can look let's start at the plate. Before we dive into the Bama Bash, I'm saying this at the top. We will say it at the end. Important information about this week's games. Alabama plays on Thursday at Louisiana and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Youngsville, five games. Those five games Friday through Sunday will not be streamed. Unless something changes by the time we press record or press post, to when we get there, which I don't think is going to happen, those games will not be streamed. You have been warned. (laughs) If you ask on the Alabama Facebook page, you will be responded to by a Russian name with a spam link that will try and steal your money. Don't click it. Do not input your credit card information. The only coverage that is there are us on the Crimson Tide Sports Network and live stats that nathan sheehan will be doing also because of the setup we will not be able to use our phones to live stream because there's a strong chance we will have
1: to use our phones to be on the radio right and nate will be live tweeting and doing live stats and plus there is still rights agreements and contracts and things like that 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 keep him from being able to do that even if that wasn't the case so this it's not a situation of alabama being lazy or Uh, not caring about softball or not wanting is they literally can't do it for numerous reasons. So I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with it just being on the radio. Uh, And if you're not in Tuscaloosa, the radio call will be available to you on the website, on the app for Nick 97.5 FM in Tuscaloosa. We tweet out those links. It'll also be available on Alabama's social medias. They will post out those links and everything. So you will be able to get the new coverage of the game, just there is not going to be a streaming option. I have not personally seen what the facility is going to be like for the Mardi Gras Mambo, uh, but it does not seem as though it's going to be set up for that type of type. Right, yeah. Smitty, BMO, they're not parachuting in. No. We
0: can't, we just can't, it's not going to happen.
1: The SEC network doesn't have a, a, a mobile studio that they can send out to louisiana for this right I'm sorry they just don't honestly if they did it would be going to the mary nutter right <laughs> this is like low on the totem pole of right. weekend tournaments also this is not something that's run by alabama or lsu or anybody right. can associated with the sec so the sc network has no jurisdiction there so you have been warned right don't get your credit card stolen right i didn't
0: identity, identity theft is a terrible crime yes. millions of people are affected every year <laughs> that's true jim Don't get your identity stolen. Don't lose your credit card and don't get frustrated because it's not on streaming. I've put it on Twitter, Facebook. I am going to do an Instagram post at some point. We're, we're trying to let everybody know don't panic. If you see anybody asking, tell them just, I want to make sure there is no confusion. There is no streaming. And if there is look for us to say something or for Alabama officially, do not look for weird names with strange profile pictures they the comments. lying right yeah. yes it's,
1: it's not it's not a thing so the stream there is espn plus for the game at lafayette on thursday right but friday through sunday just radio. okay uh, that good i think we've been clear okay
0: if there's any confusion i off the walls is going to be nuts next week <laughs> All right, the Bama Bash, a successful weekend, 5-0. and You got the two wins over Virginia Tech, which were epic, and we'll touch on that in a second. The run rules elsewhere, which is what you want to do. You know, Evansville, Middle Tennessee, not bad teams. No. Middle is going to be a probably third or fourth best team in the Conference USA this year. Evansville is going to be better than projected in the Missouri Valley. But it was, uh, it was a good weekend all around, Tom, and I want to open with the defense. I've got it in all caps on the rundown. Defense is not something we talk about very much on this podcast unless it's a Florida because they've been the best at it forever or b a defense is doing terribly, but I really want to touch on what this Alabama team is doing a nine, nine, five season fielding percentage. There is one error on the year and it was the first ball hit to Megan Bloodworth in her career. Right. Right. And there were none in the Bama bash. Tom, I think I'm willing to say, at least in the early going, this is threatening to be the best defense I have seen from the Crimson Tide since I've been a part of the radio team.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been really impressive to watch and uh, it's even more impressive considering how much, you know, thing pieces have been moved around, how many new faces are in this defense and they're you know, as we knock on wood talking about it, they have done a standing job to start off with. And when you have, you know, pitchers, the caliber of Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle and, you know, Torrance and Salter as well, when you have that type of pitching, uh, if there's a defense behind them and it's not, giving you know forcing those pitchers to make extra outs throughout the game it, it's really a, a great a- asset to have also when you're considering the fact that you know if you're if you're in a game where Montana Fouts is striking out 15 16 people you're not going to have a whole lot of chances so you know you have to keep yourself ready for an entire game right for maybe one or two balls to be hit your way and uh, to be able to execute when those things happen really impressive I, I think actually we've seen more actual defense having to be executed sometimes with some of the replacement players coming in later in the game I know that happened in Tucson a couple times two of the better defensive plays in Tucson were Callie Hevlin to I think Barnhart at first who were not the starters exactly yeah so there's that and then you know we saw what happened in the second game against Virginia Tech that we'll talk about two just outstanding defensive plays the the double play turned in the first inning and then uh, Dallas Goodnight throwing out a would-be runner at home keeping Virginia Tech off the board, it's, it's almost unfair if you're the other offense. It's like, okay, we finally put the ball in play. We get a base hit. And now uh, the defense is is erasing us. So uh, I was really impressed as well with the Alabama defense this past weekend. And uh, if you can rely on that moving forward, that, that certainly is uh, going to be a lot of help.
0: Let's talk about the Virginia Tech games. My goodness. Mm. As we said earlier, spectacular theater. The crowd was great, especially on Saturday. You had the clutch hitting the incredible pitching on both sides. We're going to talk about Virginia Tech as part of this as well. But what a, what a way to kick off your home stand right. in a season. I mean, it was it was two of the best and most entertaining softball games I have seen at Rhodes in a long time.
1: Yeah, and I talked when I interviewed Coach Murphy on Saturday. I said I, the question I have is that is the I, I, actually I think this was on Sunday. The question I have is is this the Bama Bash in February or is this a Super Regional? Because that's what it felt like. The two games yeah. against Virginia Tech with that crowd, that atmosphere. Luckily, especially on Saturday, the weather turned off much nicer. It was pretty chilly on Friday. But Saturday, it was sunny. And, you know, in the sun, you were, you, were, you were fine. I think that it was just an outstanding atmosphere. And it led to some great softball. And like you say, great theater. Magical, even. I mean, Allie Shipman's home run, the
0: defense from Alabama. And again, I want to give a lot of respect to Pete Demore and those Hokies. That pitching staff, Healy mm. Rochard and Emma Limley, I will now elevate them up there in the one-two punches, in the the best one-two punches in the country, along with Bouts and Kilfoil, Staraco and Bobian. I would say you know UCLA answered some questions this weekend, so I'd throw
1: mm-hmm. Ferramo and Acevedo in there, but they're right there too. Oh yeah, and that's uh, you know we're going to talk to Vanda Scarborough about this a little bit later, but I think you know that one-two punch, Virginia Tech definitely has the pitching to get to. Oklahoma City. It's just whether or not they're going to have enough offense to be able to to complement them. But uh, Limley, the sad I keep going back to is in the fourth inning, into the fourth inning, Limley had thrown three balls and two of them were illegal pitches. Yep. And it wasn't Alabama swinging at bad pitches. Right. They were at least early in the count. Right. Yeah. I, I thought you know we in game number one with Rochard, I thought Alabama's offensive Alabama's players, the batters, got frustrated as the game went along and I think they were they were guessing Patrick Murphy said the same thing they were guessing uh, throughout the the end of the game and they were swinging at some bad pitches I don't think that was the case with Emily I thought that Alabama had pretty good approaches at the plate uh all game long but she was just hitting every single spot mm-hmm. that she was asked to it was it was really impressive to watch
0: she would hit her spot and then come back with a rise that looked like it was going to the same spot and then just jumped and Alabama would swing at those and that would be I thought it was one of the most impressive debuts for a freshman in terms of her first experience against another ranked team on the road mm-hmm. i mean virginia tech is going to give clemson florida state duke some major major mm-hmm. headaches
1: in conference play the acc is deep this yes year. and that uh, we talked about we've talked about that before the acc is deep but virginia tech and florida state i think are I would say that they're the Alabama and Florida of the ACC right
0: mm-hmm. now absolutely
1: um, so it, it's going to be great to watch that moving forward but I was very impressed with Virginia Tech overall the most important thing for Alabama I thought was especially in that second game you had those you had good approaches at the at the plate and they didn't get frustrated like they did against Rochard and then the third time through the order Prangy starts off with a single in the sixth inning and you kind of felt like okay Alabama's going to be able to get to her here and then Allie Shipman. Thank you for Mm. sending Allie Shipman our way. We are so glad she's here. Yes. Six of 12 on the weekend. Nine
0: RBI. That's, you know, adding to her now tied for the league lead total at 15. Two homers. Both were huge. Two doubles. Four walks, Mm -hmm. which I like honestly circle that one. You know, we've talked so much about the aggressiveness of Allie Shipman, but it was when she was facing the pitchers who were being super wild, mainly against Evansville, Middle Tennessee, that she calmed down on the I'm swinging at the first pitch every time approach and was very patient and drew four walks, which
1: is awesome. Now we know that eye is as good as the swing is. Yeah. And that's something, you know, when I talked to Patrick Murphy in in our pregame interview, talking about Allie Shipman was that if he had one, critique he would like to see her maybe strength her her zone just a little bit so she doesn't swing quite as much but he loves how eager she is to drive and runs when there yes. is runners on base and that's what you're hoping is going to be the case when you're batting three four five and that in that range you want people to be on base and you want to be the ones to drive them in and ally shipman has that approach at the plate and uh, we definitely saw that this weekend Other good weekends, Dallas, good night, hit 417. Cat Grill hit 400. Yeah.
0: So you throw in Savannah Woodard going two for nine. Cat Grill, you know, has maybe more so entered into the conversation for right field. I also think you could throw Jordan Stevens in that combo Mm -hmm. after her performance. We might see a lot more Jordan Stevens here this weekend, especially once you get to Youngsville, considering the caliber of opponents that Alabama will face.
1: Yeah, the, the competition um, will, will go down a little bit after the matchup with Louisiana, who's a, who's a legitimate team, obviously, in Lafayette. Yeah, I think this would be a type of weekend where we could see uh, a player like Jordan Stevens get a, a starter, too, and really see if she can sustain uh, what she did on on Sunday. Jenna Johnson hit 333, but I would like to
0: highlight the 571 OBP again as the leadoff. You want to be above 500. And there
1: we are. That's, that's it. She's doing exactly what you want. Kaylee Tao hit 333, which is good. Yeah, uh, it was good to see her get a few more better swings and a few uh, a little bit more better contact, which I mean, she hit two or three ropes in Tucson that, that were ended up being out. So I wasn't real worried about Tao having, having the average that she did. After the first weekend, and I think we saw her kind of continue to move along, and I, I think I think she's going to be fine.
0: Are you surprised to see that Prangy hit just 273 on the weekend? It felt
1: like way higher. <laughs> it definitely seemed like she was on base all the time when yeah. she came up. Again, just another a transfer uh, similar to Shipman coming this time coming from Ohio State. But you know that was one of the main things they talked about in the preseason: the chemistry of this team. Uh, we're going to talk about how the transfers maybe not having the great chemistry in some of the other places uh, where people are struggling right now later on, but definitely not a case at Alabama. You've seen Shipman and Prangy step right in and have become leaders on this team, even though it's their first year in the program, both of them's fourth years playing college softball. So they are no rookies. Also maybe most impressively to me, you had 10 different players
0: with a run batted in, in the Bama bash. I mean, the only nine are supposed to bat. Right. So. <laughs>
1: well, then, and what do we always talk about when, when, you're, when you're making a lineup and when there, there have been issues before? It's been because there have been black holes in the lineup. Right. There have been players that, like, you just, wherever they're in the in lineup, you can't rely on them to, to produce. And you're not asking everyone to, to hit 700, uh, but you're, you're wanting people to maybe go, you know, one for three and, and get an RBI, you know, every game or two. And this lineup is doing that from top to bottom right now. Quote-unquote issues,
0: Bailey Dowling hit 167, the season average at 190, but um it's Bailey Dowling. She'll be fine. Right. Yeah, She hit a triple that probably yes. should have left the yard. Exactly. I mean, she'll be okay.
1: Yeah, and as long as she continues to play the solid shortstop that she's doing, which I've, I've been very impressed with yes. what she's been able to do defensively. And getting on base as well. Right. Five walks, which
0: I think is more than she had the entirety of the shortened her shortened 2021.
1: Wow. Yeah, so, so – that's okay. I mean, you may be seeing a little bit of, of pitching around in that situation, but the rest of the lineup is uh, taking care of that. So I, I expect as the weather warms up that she's going to be one of those batters that's going to get better.
0: And then the other one, Megan Bloodworth goes 0 for 7. Uh, you know, again, I'm not super concerned maybe a lot of pressure was just suddenly heaped on her right again she wasn't the most heralded of the recruits rolling in everybody was talking about goodnight and barnhart and then here's this girl bloodworth who's hitting 600 and grand slams and yeah she set the bar very very
1: high with what she did in her first weekend so uh i think that was a little bit of just kind of things kind of averaging out a little bit for her but yeah I, i think she's gonna be fine and similar to what we talked about with stevens this might be a good weekend for her to kind of get back in the groove before yeah. before the crimson classic uh, I mean, pitching still stellar 068 weekend
0: era 43 strikeouts to four walks come on steph we're geez. walking four people what's going on averaging nearly one walk a game wow oh, geez
1: fire everybody
0: <laughs> kilfoyle and fouts a dominant alabama has not allowed a run to a
1: ranked team this year crazy what the heck yeah i mean it, it was so impressive and, you know, especially when you're looking at games like we had against Virginia Tech, where they couldn't afford to make a mistake because the, the other pitcher was doing really well, too. One hanging uh, rise ball or, or curve ball, and the game is, is totally different. So uh, it was so impressive to watch Fouts and Kilfoyle be so precise. And at times, Kilfoyle relying on the defense, which is the type of pitcher that yeah. she is. So I was. I was very impressed with, with both of those outings.
0: Yeah. Salty and Torrance as well. I mean, I think we're still still trying to get them to where they can face a lineup the third time around and be as effective as they were the first two times,
1: but that'll get there. They're Mm -hmm. young and they're learning from two of the best. Sure. Absolutely. And then that's also, you know, one of the reasons why it's really important if you're Alabama and you have the opportunity in the game in the fifth inning, right. You know, you got, you got to do that. So we, you know, we saw that against middle middle, got a run and, and, kind of force things, yeah. You know, but then Jordan Stevens came through there in the sixth. Yeah, the youngsters. <laughs>
0: okay, I don't want to touch a lot on the uh, overall season stats because the segment's running a little long, and we will do that this weekend. And we know a lot of you will be listening because it is the only way to track right. the events mm-hmm. at the Mardi Gras Mambo. But have you ever seen this? So if you look at the season stats, the top four batters on the team are all hitting 435. Good night, Prangy johnson Shipman. I mean, this early in the year, you'll see inflated batting
1: averages, but rarely four that are equal. Everybody is 10 for 23. (laughs) Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, I I think this is as good of an offensive start as I've seen uh, since I've started doing the the Alabama, being the Alabama play-by-play guy, which was 2015 was my first year. Even 2019 when Alabama... Was undefeated for the first 31 or 32 games, whatever it was. The, we didn't see the offense really exploding like this one is. Now, you know, you look at what happened in Tucson. There weren't as many home runs in Tuscaloosa and in, in day number and weekend number two. Some of that is because you faced a little bit better pitching overall. But even with with the with that uh, production going down, I I thought the offense was still rolling just yeah. as well. I I think in 2019, the one thing we
0: really didn't see from that team was them put away teams they should for the most part, I mean, you know, against like the really bad teams in Niagara's. Yeah, of course they run ruled them, but that game against middle Tennessee in 2019 on Sunday probably ends at six one and right. we all just go home and we don't think too much about it, but they keep pushing. Yeah. And I think that's, what's really impressive. I also go back to my earlier point earlier this year. I don't know if this is going to be a team where somebody hits four eighty, but this is about what I expect. Maybe not that high batting average
1: wise, but a bunch of names at the top, all pretty similar. Yeah. And I mean, if we are looking at this again, maybe halfway through conference play and there's one or two batters still over 400 and, but there's, you know, three or four in the 300s. Yeah. 350 to 380, something like that. You're you're in really good shape. Next up we go to
0: Louisiana and Lafayette, Louisiana. The Cajuns hosting Alabama on Thursday at 6 PM. We will have the radio coverage. It will be on ESPN plus. Friday, Nichols at two. Southeastern Louisiana at four. Four Four-ish. Four-ish. This is a tournament. Good Lord. I can't
1: wait for that. Talk about this going up.
0: Saturday, Northwestern State at three. Saturday, Louisiana Tech at five p.m. Ish.
1: Ish. Right, yeah. Sunday, Louisiana. The three is
0: probably ish, too. (laughs) Yeah, right. Good Lord. Sunday, Louisiana at 11 a.m. Tom will have that solo. I'll be back here for women's basketball. Not the toughest slate between the two louisiana games but i think that thursday night matchup in lafayette against the cajuns that place gets popping oh man so this is going to be a great bit of experience for this young team i mean you thought tucson was was (laughs) rocking and rolling just wait until we get down in cajun country when all those folks have been drinking for hours and eating gumbo
1: oh my gosh that just just to put this in perspective for you and in lafayette at their uh, at their stadium there's a wooden fence the outfield wall is wood. It's a picket fence just to kind of just kind of put that in put that in your in your mind for you. Is that like built from parts of a pirate ship or something? (laughs) It's possible. I'm not I'm not 100% sure but it's it it really is a cool facility to to kind of get a chance to play in and it's going to be a raucous crowd. They're going to be ready. You know I always go back to uh, former Alabama baseball coach Jim Wells. There was one year where Alabama was playing in Lafayette. I don't know if it was a, yeah, I think it might've been a regional, uh, but the, the quote is he's walking out. It's like 10 AM before the first game. He's, he looks out and it's 10 AM and these people are drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's going to be, if they were that way at 10 AM uh, Thursday, Thursday at six, here we go. Mm,
0: going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to skip the lineup changes bullet point because honest to goodness, Patrick Murphy threw some things at us this weekend that I wasn't expecting right. that worked. Sure. So I'm just gonna roll in and we'll we'll handle it. I, <laughs> I really don't have any qualms. I thought actually Prangy in the two spot when, when that dropped, I said, Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's a lot of pressure. And she
1: handled it really well. Absolutely, she did. So I mean that was I thought that was really good. You know, Dallas Goodnight showed that she could handle the leadoff. And after she came in for Jan Johnson in the in the last game, could see that. Could see Dallas Goodnight hitting ninth. Either way or second as it as it normally is. I think Ali Shipman Ali Shipman in the three. I'm I'm here for that. If you know moving Kaylee Tao down a little bit, take a little pressure off her, that's it fine. It worked. It works. But if you think Tao's ready to go back to three, put her back at three and have ship at four. That seems to work good.
0: I think two things to note: one, the the right field spot is probably going to continue to be a revolving door this weekend, especially considering the competition. Right. Two, uh, we were told that Barnhart still day to day. If she can't catch, then you hope that Abby Door is back to where she can catch. If not, then you've got Allie Shipman catching six games. That's not ideal. Right. So you would love for door to be ready. Uh, if Barnhart is not, and and uh, the vibe I'm getting is that she's probably won't get a look this weekend you're hoping for the weekend after right so
1: that's not yeah that's if you're looking at that and you're asking you know patrick murphy why is alice shipman having to catch all these games it's because everybody else is injured right now so no. uh, hopefully they'll be able to come back soon because you don't want a uh, ship to have to catch that much going into conference play because you
0: know she'll be catching at the end so yes Let's make sure everything's fine of course, at the we, beginning. We were worried
1: about it all last year with Bailey and Phil, and all she did was set the Alabama career record <laughs> for runs. So,
0: uh,
1: our fears. seem to be fine. Pitching rotation. This we can talk about. Who, who
0: is throwing at Louisiana? Who do we want to throw, and who do we think Patrick Murphy will throw? My gut says throw Montana on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I mean.
0: But, but I don't think that's what we're going to see. I think it's going to be kill foil.
1: Yeah, and I, I think either one will be equally successful. The the only reason I would say Kilfoyle is because Fouts threw on Sunday, and Kilfoyle hasn't thrown since Saturday, so kind of get her in there. I could definitely see Fouts getting the start there. It's it's not like you know four game four days in between is plenty of time, and and the fact that Fouts pitched in three games, getting two starts this past weekend, I think kind of shows that she's 100 percent back from whatever the the leg injury was after uh, Team USA tryout. So. I don't think you're having to protect her for anything as far as, as injuries go. So you can see either one of them, which is, again, this is one of the great things if you're Alabama, right? Because not, not only are they two lead pitchers they are two totally different pitchers. So, you know, good luck getting ready for either one of those.
0: Yeah. And whoever starts on Thursday, the other will start Sunday. Sunday and between right. that, I think you've got to start for Torrance. You've got to start for Salter. You've got to start for whoever pitches on Thursday and then mm-hmm. I don't know, by committee and one of the others, uh, whatever you want yeah it is a little tougher to figure out with six games on the weekend instead of the usual five
1: yeah so that that i think that will probably lend itself to an extra start for Torrance in there somewhere
0: (sighs) okay wow that was extensive Tom. but i feel good about it i I believe in everything we said
1: (laughs) it's all we're trying to do
0: yes so now we it's time to put it in play who are we See, well, after this week, I think we should be Allie Shipman. Allie Shipman. Mm-hmm. We got her. We knocked in a couple of runs. Yes, we did. And we advanced to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. And we come back week two in the SEC. Is it really that easy? Alabama, Florida? Everybody else is making it look that easy. We'll talk about it when we get back. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Barry Robertson Tom Canterbury. It's time to advance to first with our conversation about week two. In the SEC, as we always do, discussing the Southeastern Conference, where we expected it to be a little more wide open. I didn't have seven teams like Tom did. I had four or five that I thought could win the league. It might just be two with Alabama and Florida. Now, are we jumping the gun? Perhaps. But everybody else that I trusted has either been dealt a terrible blow like the Ashley Rogers situation at Tennessee or not been able to hit like Missouri or not been able to do much of anything right like LSU and or lost suspicious
1: games like Arkansas. Right. I think there's a lot of times when teams are totally different in April and May than they are in February. So I don't think you take everything that happens here in these first few weeks gospel. uh, But if teams are trying to tell you who they are, you should listen to them yes. and try to figure out, you know, where where if the issues that they're having are fixable or if they're just going to be a team that's going to be hard to trust. We're just gathering evidence. Right. Right. More and more evidence. We're like crime junkies. We're yes. just trying to
0: figure out. That's it. I got the board. You see, I mean, I've got the <laughs> string and we're just right figuring everything out. <laughs> Let's talk about the three SEC teams in Clearwater first. Tennessee had Ashley Rogers for all of two innings against Notre Dame. They pulled her. Tennessee was up. And we all thought, oh, they're, they're saving her for Washington later mm-hmm. that day. Come to find out, Ashley Rogers has been taken to the hospital because of a chest issue, a health problem.
1: Yeah, scary. scary stuff.
0: Yeah, they, they said that she was fine, but she wouldn't pitch the rest of the weekend. We have heard no updates in that regard. Uh, we'll ask Amanda later and see if ESPN has found anything out. But my guess is no, considering how the sport treats injuries. Mm-hmm. And without Rogers – Tennessee went two and three, which was kind of about what we thought was the worst case scenario. You know, they, they there were two very winnable games on their Clearwater slate. But if Rodgers is out for an extended amount of time, it's on Aaron Edmondson. I mean, she pitched well in Clearwater, but the role has gotten a lot bigger if Rodgers is out for a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the one thing you can't have if you have the one main ace is for that one main ace to get hurt. Uh, and that's, that's where Tennessee is at right now. Like I said, hopefully uh, it's just one of those, you know, scares and, and then they run all the tests and everything looks okay. And Rogers can come back, but you know, it's certainly something that war- warrants being monitored moving yes. forward for sure for her health, most importantly, and then for uh, the health of the team. But you're just, you, you're just, you're worried because the margin for error becomes so small if Ashley Rogers isn't in the circle for the balls,
0: Yeah, I mean, I go back to 2020, and it's a different staff. You know, Callie Turner's gone. You brought in Riley White. You brought in Edmondson. But when Ashley Rogers was out, Tennessee was terrible pitching. I mean, they they could not get people out. They could not limit opposing teams from scoring. And part of that was the defense, but also part of it was just the other pitchers didn't pick up the slack. And if that doesn't happen, you know, Tennessee's got another tough stretch coming up this weekend. They've got Oklahoma out of the Mary Nutter. They've got BYU, who has just entered in the D1 poll. They've got UCLA
1: on Saturday. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a rough weekend. When, when Oklahoma and UCLA are on the schedule, you don't want to be without your best pitcher. Right. So also
0: I want to highlight the team batting average, 248, which is 12th. That is just above LSU, who we'll talk about next at, at 245. With Tennessee, I'm less concerned than I am with LSU, actually. But still, that's quite low. For the yeah. first two
1: weekends of the season, especially considered you have Kiki Malloy who's doing so well, yes, that just means the rest of the the rest of the lineup not doing as well.
0: LSU two and three in Clearwater, not terrible. Team ERA is two three six, not terrible. Team batting average is two forty five. That's pretty bad. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. And and this has kind of been a trend lately. LSU the last couple seasons, usually by the end of the year, they have been you know ninth to thirteenth in the league in batting average. Very rare to see them start out this poorly
1: right. swinging at the plate yeah especially considering you know your first week was a home tournament without you know no top 25 teams were in that one uh, so you thought you'd be able to get things started off pretty well but you struggled in that tournament uh and then you get to go to clearwater and where you're playing definitely some top 10 and top 25 player teams that, that is a it is a very concerning number they're putting up right now and then the most concerning is taylor pleasant
0: yeah one twenty-one, four of 33 Mm. two rbis i mean she's gonna figure it out but i mean it's it's taken a while to get there the the swoon has come early this lsu tiger it's like reversal yeah so maybe alabama's got lsu at the right time in conference play maybe so as opposed to the complete wrong time as we thought (laughs) when the schedule came out auburn definitely a thing yeah not a contender yet they go four and one in clearwater the run will loss to ucla to me was like okay let like we need to slow the roll auburn's not about to win the conference but they are not last and this is a team that you know i listed it as an overreaction last week now i believe it they absolutely have the capability to host regionals if they can keep up everything they've got going team batting average of 328 pinta and era have
1: 118 low 124 yeah the one thing i will say as devil's advocate Alabama fan is the four teams they beat in Clearwater three of them the unranked part of the 20-team field in Wisconsin UCF and Texas Tech now USF played pretty well in Clearwater yes you know so I'm I'm not disparaging that that win but I'm just saying they weren't a ranked team and then Texas who was having disaster of a weekend so you know the one team that they played that's playing well runable that that again is is a little bit of a temp, you know tempering the expectations a little bit. But that being said, I've been very impressed with what they've done the first two weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that moving forward.
0: I will say this: I don't think you're going to see Auburn get any cheap losses this year. In the past, we've seen them like drop a game to Kennesaw in the midweek yeah, lot, or something. A lot of tech out
1: there. Or yeah. yeah, right.
0: I don't think they're going to lose anything like that.
1: Yeah, and they're hitting the ball much much better than we thought. Absolutely. And that that was the big drawback. We knew they had good pitching is whether or not they had enough offense. Uh, I definitely didn't think they did. They, they seem to have proved me wrong in that section. Florida, the other one at the top with Alabama. They
0: got the win over Duke, 9-3. Duke, I don't know what was up with the pitching. They didn't, Shelby Walters, it statistically didn't look like she pitched that well. I don't know how much of that was her. I don't know how much of it was Florida. Mm-hmm. Eccles has her average back to 286. The team average is 356. And Kendra Falby, your SEC freshman of the week, on the season, hitting 548 with seven RBIs and 10 for 10 in stolen bases. Team ERA, .55, Hightower, Delbury, Lugo, all pitching pretty equal innings. I, I think Delbury and Hightower are probably your one too. Florida, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know how much we're going to learn until conference play starts. Their non-con is is not loaded with either A, good teams, or B, teams that have strengths that challenge what Florida is good at. Right, But still, I mean, it's a good team. It's Tim Walton. It's the
1: Florida Gators. They'll be up there. Absolutely. they're. I mean, they are Florida. They're going to continue to be Florida. The pitching staff has looked really good. Again, they haven't played just the most dominant. Yeah, now offenses. we know
0: Michigan can't hit against anyone. Right. So Delbury's one hitter, you know, congrats. Uh,
1: but that being said, you know, Florida's going to be right there. You now They're going to be, it definitely looks like a one-two race in the SEC. But uh, I mean, I'm not ready to just give up on anybody yet. There's some teams that are definitely playing better than others. Kentucky wins 7-6 over
0: Arizona. 7-6 win and 8 over Loyola Marymount. Kennedy Sullivan against Arizona. Two RBI. She had a home run, and she was a winning pitcher. Wow. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment we talk about Kentucky. Who's pitching? Who is pitching for the Wildcats? Well, against UC Santa Barbara,
1: it was Stephanie Schoonover, a no-hitter, and the Cats' 23 to nothing win. <laughs> that was one where that came up, and I was like, me click on the stats and make sure this this is a correct score yeah 23 nothing a no hitter you know i saw that score and i was like gosh an
0: oklahoma didn't beat them by more right ucsb they they only won that one like 18 nothing poor poor gauchos team era of 183 real good you've Mm -hmm. got four pitchers who've thrown just over 11 innings lockatena sullivan schoonover stoddard so yeah who's pitching i don't know if there's an ace yet sullivan Closing it out
1: against Arizona maybe has given her a lead, but we'll we'll keep our eyes on it. Shockingly, we still don't know. Uh, but you know, they're they have a lot of options, and none of the options have just eliminated themselves. yet.
0: right. Yeah, so it's a good thing right now for Rachel mm-hmm. absolutely team batting average three fifty three. Erin Koffle, your SC player of the week, because she has fifteen RBIs,
1: which is tied with Allie Shipman for the league lead, and she's hitting four eighty one. Wow. When you're talking about the three top hitters being over four hundred for the Wildcats and Kowalik has the lowest of those three numbers, you know, that's a good start. And that's, uh, that, that, that's the question you have offensively if you're the Wildcats, how will the other batters be able to produce and perform around Kowalik? And yeah, uh, they're doing really well so far. I want to give a lot of
0: credit to Kentucky because not only do they just like run rule the bad teams that they should, they, there is no mercy. They just Mm. put up 25 runs. That's what they did last year. That yeah. got that team batting average up so high. I'm not saying that this is faulty. I'm not saying last year's was faulty. But when you've got 20-plus hits against the team in a game, that helps the team batting average and the individuals. Hey, absolutely. No mercy, Cobra Kai. Texas A&M, still undefeated. Almost eight and a half runs per game in the Texas A&M Invitational. They're first in team batting average. Our girl Haley Lee is hitting 6.55 this year with a 762 on base percentage through two entire weekends. Wow.
1: Like I don't care who you're playing right I will say the teams they played they are certainly division one softball teams of all the divisions they're in they're in the one they certainly are in those divisions to play but uh yeah. but still yeah I mean absolutely. she's, she's getting
0: right. on she she is getting on base more often than like my best geometry test grade <laughs> which is impressive, but maybe not. It was <laughs> yeah, better geometry. Right. Mackenzie Herzog had a no-hitter, an ERA of zero against in 23 innings. So, you know, even though not facing, like, good teams, she's not giving up any cheap runs. Right. Absolutely. So, regardless of competition, these are impressive numbers. Georgia. Yeah. I mean, every year we talk about this. They, they host these home tournaments, and later on down the road, there are some that are a little tougher this mm-hmm. season. But this was the one that they should not have lost a game in they should have run through been undefeated and for the most part they did they dominated everybody else except
1: in the one game where they lost to boston u in athens should not happen no no i mean that's yeah that's i mean that's why if you're gonna play these tournaments where again the the best thing you can say about your opponents is that they are d1 softball teams you gotta win you gotta you just run through these yeah I mean, if it were last
0: year, I would excuse it. When you had Allie Dubois at Boston U, she was one of the best mid-major pitchers. I'd be like, all right, I get it. She got hot. Cool. Yeah. She's gone. She's at Florida State now. Mm-hmm. God, come on, Georgia. And it's a team batting average of 361. 10 batters are hitting better than 313. And the team ERA is 281. Right. Like those numbers do not compute
1: to lead to a loss to Boston U. Yeah, they just have games where they just, I don't know if it's a concentration thing, if it's a, I don't know. It's it's hard to put your finger on why you would lose a game like that, but um, it seems to happen to Georgia,
0: Missouri. I wrote early. I worked on this Saturday, and I had Missouri gets back on track, and then I added on Sunday mm. and wrote dot dot dot. Then loses to
1: Maryland. Mm. Maryland better than they have been in the past few years. Yes, with Jada McFarland FGCL. Just right. wanted to throw that in. Sure. There. Oh yeah, she. I was very impressed by her in the FGCL. That being said, should not be beating Missouri
0: honestly a part of it might be chris Malvo. we've talked so much about him going to tennessee and what that means we haven't really talked about what it means that he left missouri
1: that's yeah and sure. offense
0: is a problem right now you had a a weekend against opponents that this year are a combined 17 and 28 and they averaged barely over three
1: runs again because yeah that when we're talking about missouri the question was supposed to be what's going on in the circle yes the office, i said at the
0: beginning of the year correct. this could be the most consistent offense in the conference not so far. No, two fifty-two batting average. It's it's rough, and the pitching's doing really
1: well. Right. So, so either we don't know what we're talking about, or <laughs> there's something crazy is going. I can't believe you gave it. an alternative. But <laughs> usually, it's just the first. Right. right yes. So there you go.
0: South Carolina, they lost a midweek to Charlotte, 6 1. Really? Otherwise, no. yeah, yeah, they didn't lose, which is good. I mean, I think if you're South Carolina, you're at the point where you're just trying to not lose. Right. <laughs> just yeah. get as many non conference wins
1: as you can because once you get to conference play, the losses will start to pile up. I'm sure they enjoyed a beautiful weekend in Conway, South Carolina. Yes. Myrtle Beach area. It's a lot of fun. I've been, been there before. For sure, it was a great time. TVRA yes. at 308. So still not where you want it to be.
0: But honestly, at the, I'm serious. At this point in the year, it is just about like adding wins. Like get, Make sure we can be above 500 That's what you're trying by to the do.
1: selection show. Absolutely. Because if you're in the SEC and if, if you're three or four games overall above 500, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt.
0: Yeah. Arkansas blowing up against Illinois. I don't know what happened. This was a 6-2 game off to the sixth. I was about to close the tab. And then I right. look and Illinois ties it up. And then wins eight six. And and I think we have to talk about Mary Half. A 286 ERA on the year in 29 and a third innings pitch. She has given up 10 extra base hits out of the 23 hits she is allowed. The team ERA is 4-3-1. But let's focus on half. I think that there is something to be said about Courtney Difel's reaction when we asked her about autumn storms and what she means to the program. We know what she meant as a player and as a person to the whole program, but I don't think we've ever considered what she meant to marry half. Yeah. When you knew you had that other option behind you who was so different, who was a completely different look, she doesn't really have that, that, she, that you really trust yet. Right. And I think that not having storms right now puts way more pressure on half. And right now she is not handling it well. That is all I guess from me based on reading the tea leaves and what, looking at the stats and watching some games, but she just doesn't look the same.
1: Right, that that certainly is a a viable uh, conclusion to come to because it's a lot different when you're used to being a part of a one-two punch than when it's all put on you because looking at these other ERAs for Bloom, Turner, and Nelson, it's a Mary Half. It's Mary Half's show right now. Uh, So when it's all on you, um, it's tough. And then again, one of the reasons why I picked Arkansas to finish sixth in the conference was they're going to have the target on their back. And they had the target, you know, even in the pre-conference, you know, they're you're getting this opportunity. You think Illinois after they went down to Baton Rouge and got a game from LSU and had a chance to win another one, <laughs> was ranked in some polls, they're like, we get we get a chance to go to Arkansas and and show ourselves again. And you know, they find then they were able to take advantage of it. So
0: yeah, and I, you know, some people might say, well, Gray, you know, Storms dealt with injuries all the time; she'd be out for weekends in her career. Right. And yeah, but Mary Half knew she was going to come back at some point. Right. Armstrong's ain't walking through that door to borrow no. a, a Twitter phrase from our friend Hunter Johnson. <laughs> right. We'll see. We'll see if they can work it out. Also I want to highlight uh, KB sides yeah. this year, 14 for 14 in stolen bases. Last year, Arkansas was
1: four of six as a team. Last year, when you had that many home run hitters, you understand why the there, why would you run? Why would you risk right. it? Yeah. Why risk it? You know, keep as many people on base as possible uh, this year. They're not relying on the home run quite as much. And uh, KB sides is is really is really excelling there, and, and it, it seems to be a good fit right now.
0: Yeah, hitting 250, but when she's been on base, stolen bases, mm-hmm. you know, scoring runs, like it's been really strong. So good job, KB. We're proud of you. Absolutely. Look at the Mississippi schools. Oh, oh, we're not proud of you. Mm. Shame. Get in the corner. <laughs> get the dunce cap. Uh, Ole Miss lost to Troy. Not a bad loss, but not 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 a great loss though. No, I mean it's whatever a team era of over three Ole Miss has not played anyone really that good so that's too high right 284 team batting average our girl Roper FGCL hitting 433 there are a couple others who are doing well but there are also a couple others who are just stinking it up like below yeah.
1: 150 uh just Ole like, Miss Ole Miss is uh it, it just didn't seem like they had figured out who they are yet yeah just an overall lack of consistency and like I, said, I think there is a lot to that I think they're They don't really have an identity. Uh, So we'll see if they're able to change that, but uh, not a great start. And the Mississippi State. Oh, my gosh. What is happening? 4-3
0: loss to Southern Illinois, a 5-3 loss to SEC killer Central Arkansas. (laughs) Noted dominator of the conference. I mean, Mississippi State's team ERA is 3-2-1. That's not me counting down. That's me saying a very high Mm. team ERA. Right. And, yes, Mia Davidson – you know, congrats! She broke Lauren Hager's SEC career home run mark. Good for her. Right. Everybody else has struggled, and, and frankly, me is, is not just tearing it up. No, I mean three hitting three seventy nine. But right. but this is a Mississippi State team that you know you expected the losses to UCLA and Oklahoma. The rest of their non conference is not great. Right. You can't in a home tournament, yeah, lose to Southern Illinois, Central Arkansas, and and Georgia Tech. That's a that's not as bad a loss as it was a couple yeah. years ago, Tex, but still Tex getting
1: better. But they yeah.
0: You you can't have a losing record in a home tournament. You just no. you can't do it. You were in the SEC. They figure they, it out. They did have to face Blake and FDCU. They did. Blake uh, Blake struck out thirteen Bulldogs in that game. So, but still losing record at home right. and just like with South Carolina these are the games you have to have because right. you're going to lose a lot in
1: conference right these, that's just me being real yeah Mississippi State needs to be piling up the wins like South Carolina is make sure they're over 500 uh, when, when things are over and that's why you host tournaments like this Georgia hosting the red and black tournament and they bring in teams like Auburn did in, in week number one bring in teams that literally haven't been able to practice outside yet because it's too cold there's a reason why you play these games to get those wins and when you don't get those wins that is definitely a sign of issues
0: oh boy and we'll keep an eye on the bulldogs but mm-hmm. we might be trending to this being a year where not all the sec teams make the tournament again
1: yeah
0: let's look at big sec games in week three uh thursday byu at tennessee is interesting byu entering the d1 softball top 25 mm-hmm. friday Ole Miss and James Madison in Orlando. The Ooh. Dukes uh, dropped a game to Charlotte last week to open their season, a little surprising. Missouri and Oregon at the Mary Nutter. Fascinating. I don't want to read everything on this list, Tom. So let's pick one each day that's that's going to draw our attention.
1: Let's see. You 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 see the you talked about the BYU one against Tennessee on Thursday to play BYU, and then we saw Oregon State out in in Tucson. They have a first team all pack 12 pitcher if she pitches against tennessee at the mary nutter and tennessee doesn't have ashley rogers because you know tennessee's looking at all right we got to play oklahoma we got to play ucla if they look past the beavers and possibly lose that one it gets it gets very dicey (sighs)
0: saturday anything there my
1: eye immediately jumps to oklahoma state at texas a&m finally a&m playing somebody you know a power five type team and a top 25 team in in oklahoma state so i should be a heck of a matchup. And then, you know, that's the day where Tennessee gets to play both Oklahoma and UCLA. Mm, so I'm sweating
0: just thinking about mm, it. Yeah. <laughs> Washington,
1: Missouri, mm-hmm. Missouri figured out you're going to get Gabby playing
0: Sunday. I think Florida, James Madison could be interesting. And then uh, Florida at
1: UCF in Orlando. Well, that's, yeah. And that's one of the, you know, UCF going to be a fringe top 25 team. I think most of the year they're going to be an up and down type of team, but you know, with the Gators coming in, they're going to have, throw their best punch at them yeah so this may be one of those non-conference games where florida uh, has the opportunity to, to take one take an l are you ready to do some voting
0: now yes always it's time for gray's fgcl
1: corner vote early and vote often
0: we've got seven nominees our week one winner was bailey richardson at georgia state and as always seven nominees tom will pick his top two i'll pick a winner all right we've got three noels, and mm. they deserved it they're, they're everywhere they're Mac Leonard, Florida State, 6 of 15, four RBIs, a home run, a double, two walks, three strikeouts, three runs scored. Keep in mind, all this is happening in Clearwater, where Florida right. State played literally only ranked teams. Right.
1: There, this is not, the, there are no, just barely D1 softball teams in their face. Yeah, right. Michaela
0: Edenfield, Florida State, 5 of 12. And one of those home runs, did you, I mean, the UCLA yeah. bomb. Oh my gosh. Whole, where did it go? <laughs> Into the Clearwater night. It landed in the Church of Scientology. <laughs> Devin Flaherty, Florida State, 6 of 13, three RBIs, a double, two walks, a strikeout, three runs scored. I, I couldn't I couldn't take anybody from the Knowles off that list considering yeah. who they were doing it against. Absolutely, for sure. Next up, we've got our first ever combined FGCL no-hitter. Wow. First time ever. Same team. And,
2: same pitching and,
0: staff. Wow. Same game. Manny McPherson, NC State and Asha Weichselman, NC State, combined for a no-hitter against Mount St. Mary's. Also, Maddie had a great week, seven and a third, mostly in relief. One hit, nothing, 14 strikeouts. But in particular, they're getting this nomination as the first ever combined no-no by FGCL players. That's amazing. Awesome. Great job. Yes. Speaking of no-nos, Jenna Green, Presbyterian, went 10 innings, one hit, no runs, four walks and five strikeouts, had a no-hitter, against north carolina central good job jenna ellie armistead from georgia eight of 13 seven rbis three homers two triples two walks a strikeout eight runs scored and finally she's back glenn close it's Mm -hmm. Haley lee a measly 10 of 18 four rbis a home run two doubles six walks two strikeouts and nine runs scored in the week but, wow, uh, the walks in particular. Mm, yeah. she,
1: they're pitching around her, and she's letting them do it. Sure. Absolutely. All right, Tom, your top two. Wow. Okay. Uh, I am going – because, again, the first time ever, I'm going to put McPherson and Waxelman's no-hitter. Okay. The combined – I'm going to make them a finalist. And because of the the stage that she did it on, uh, Michaela Eppenfield from Florida State. We're going Edenfield. Yeah. They, I mean – Come on.
0: ESPN prime time off Megan Frickin' Faramo, the right. machine out there. Woo-hoo. And she just hit it like she was hitting it off of an actual pitching machine into the beaches. Right. Just ridiculous.
1: And then then rub the third base coach's head on. It
0: was so good. Yes. Michaela Edenfield. We talked about this during the All-Star game about how Kyle Lapresti versus Edenfield we were gonna see that battle play out. I thought Edenfield would win it. Yeah. She has. I did not expect her to be. Such a critical piece of that lineup. I knew that she could be, but right. I didn't think that she was this ready. And boy, is she! I can't wait to see what her numbers look like the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think she's uh, going to be one of the main cogs in that offense moving forward. And uh, she she brings so much at the plate because I mean she's she's a top... she's
0: really good defensively
1: too. Right. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm I was really impressed with her, and then was you know hitting that home run. I think just sealed it.
0: Mm. Florida State's a real
1: good team, guys. They're a problem. They're like they problem. they
0: got hot last year, mm-hmm. but they weren't. I don't think a great team. Right. This year they can be a great team. Scary. Mm-hmm. Freaking ACC. That that championship's going to be nuts. By the
1: By the way, Florida State comes to Tuscaloosa this year for, oh, for a single midweek game.
0: Looking at it, it's on the calendar. I Believe March sixteenth. Does that sound right? Wednesday. I mean. SEC Network. Don't want to spoil the broadcast crew, but I do know one of the analysts who has told me they are coming. So, wow, it's like like in venue broadcast. It's a big deal. it's a big game
1: so you'll be doing radio with me is what you're saying
0: as well I hope not it would be very nice to be called over but probably (laughs) (laughs) I should rephrase I would love to get called over but yes we are probably doing radio together (laughs) for that game and that will allow me to make all the Alabama fans mad by swooning over Mac Leonard and Devin Flaherty and Michaela Edenfield the whole game that's okay I'll I'll even (laughs) y'all oh man y'all are gonna know Mac Leonard's name by March 17th trust me that Hmm. Meryl, right. Street, Meryl Street. That we're gonna call her Meryl. Meryl Leonard out here, <laughs> the Iron Lady. That's it. That is her nickname. <laughs> oh, wow. Mac Leonard, the Iron Lady. Markdown copyrighted Cinder the Nile. I need to write this down. <laughs> the Iron Lady. I'm gonna Snapchat that to her later. That's really good. Okay. I hope she listens. We love you, Mac. Your FTCL Player of the Week is Michaela Edenfield from Florida State. That wraps up the advancing to first portion of the show. Tom, do you see it? Trying to hurry because this took a while too. That's okay. We've got the sign. There to go. Green light, <laughs> running like Dallas, good night, taking yes. off for a second. When we come back, Amanda Scarborough will be here. We're going to talk all things Clearwater, including what the HE double hockey stick is going on with the Texas Longhorns. Mm. Where has it gone wrong? Something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. I don't know. We're going to discuss all things from Clearwater with Amanda Scarborough out of ESPN when we get back. Welcome back to the out of the box podcast. It is time to steal second. Greg Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with one of our best friends, Amanda Scarborough. She's back ESPN analyst, seven innings podcast, the all American from Texas A&M. She's wearing a don't mess with Texas sweatshirt. She's back in her home state, Amanda. How are you?
2: Good. And it feels really good to steal second, you know, cause that's not something that happened a lot in my career. So I'm happy that I can do it post career with you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that you're now, now the third straight yes. is the third straight guess we've had that has said something to that effect yes <laughs> everyone bro. has their strengths yeah
2: bro <laughs> won't say it bro will no. be it, once you have bro on here it'll be more like yeah you're dang right i'm stealing second <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the
0: <laughs> segment made for bro essentially uh, amanda we've got to open with sunday night prime time Goodness gracious, what a night for the sport. Softball on ESPN on Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central. And then the best part of it, the game was incredible. UCLA and Florida State went to extras. The Seminoles walked it off. Just how important was last night for the sport of softball overall, especially with the game being as good as it was?
2: I feel like every game is important for the sport of softball. I really do. Like any game that is on a national stage, because we don't get millions. You know, we get a couple hundred, but when we do have it, especially in the month of February, it just even exponentially increases how important it is because everybody's gonna be watching. Like everybody will watch in May, but I feel like because it was on regular ESPN, like even more people were watching. Um, so it was huge. People got there hours before um people were read, like fans at this at the actual field were there hours before saving their seat. It was packed. The game was so good. We got two of the teams that were playing the very best ball of the weekend. And so you get lucky with that. Cause you don't know how a team is going to go in there and play. Cause that schedule is made so long ago, but we got to the teams that were playing the best and extra innings walk off. I mean, like close game, just so many, it was so awesome. Like last night, Florida state UCLA. So awesome.
1: Yeah. Florida state does get the walk-off win. And uh, they had a tremendous weekend in Clearwater and, Uh, They definitely look like one of the elite teams in the nation this year. Um, How legitimate do you think they are as far as uh, making a run toward a championship?
2: I think it is so impressive how on it they already are in all parts of their game because you saw this weekend – there was big separation uh, between the teams that are playing really well and the teams that are not playing really well. So um, I think that that made Florida State look even better because there was there was such a separation of some of the teams. Um, but when you look at them, like they were they're hitting almost a, like over 100 points higher than what they hit as a team last year where they only hit like 250 as a team, which was just so odd for them. They, Daniel Watson and Kat Sandercock are pitching great and their defense had only made like five or six errors and they have awesome base running. And then you look at their team chemistry on the field and they're so locked in with each other. So you think about all the big parts of the game and Florida state's doing that already in February. Now you don't want to peak too soon, but if they were playing like this in may, you're thinking, yeah, they are a real true championship contender and their staff is so good. So, you know or you hope that, you know, they're only going to get better.
0: You know, it's amazing to me, Amanda. I feel like we always talk about chemistry with Florida state because of Lonnie and the culture that she cultivates there. But there seemed to be a swagger last night about Florida state, like a, like a confidence, like I I, swagger is kind of the only word I can think of that was surrounding that team. I'm not sure what you thought about it. And and if you've seen that after the games in Clearwater, but there just seemed to be a, a different kind of edge on that team this year.
2: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And you would think because they graduated so many key players that it might not be that way because they are pretty young and a lot of new faces on their team. But it was. So it's almost like because they've had a couple of really strong recruiting classes, it's like those guys are coming in and just get just like whatever, like naive, get to play their best ball. Like Michaela Edenfield, their catcher, their freshman. Like she's a redshirt freshman, but still, it's like. Like they just seem so prepared, no expectations and just ready to like, just loose. And so I think that it was, I think because they didn't have a ton of experience on the field, they were able to do that, play nice and loose the entire weekend. I mean, I had their first game and their last game. And so I saw them against Tennessee for their first game and then their last game last night. And they, they were so strong the entire way through.
0: That'd be Michaela Edinfield
1: FGCL. Yes. By the way, oh. yes. Yes. <laughs> I saw her a few times. She
2: was impressive, really impressive.
1: She really was. Uh, on the other side of that game, you had UCLA dropping the walk-off loss. They went three and two in Clearwater, which you know that type of tournament. That's not really that's not a bad bad record overall. Uh, but the the biggest uh, news it might, could be the season-ending entry to Aaliyah Jordan.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot to unpack with them, honestly. And I think that that's definitely, um, one of the things that stands out about UCLA is just trying to get the MRI back, um, this week in LA about Aliyah Jordan, seeing what's wrong with her knee. If she's going to be out for the entire year, or if she's going to be able to come back later. or if Maybe she'll be able to come back next week. You just don't know with these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really unfortunate because she was swinging the bat so well, and she's one of the few six year players. I mean, the only one on UCLA, but one of the few in the entire country. So, um, she's been through a lot of adversity, a lot of injuries. So I really feel for her because she just was very in shape, taking this year very seriously and such a good leader for their team. But um, they're really like an older team, like a veteran team. They have a lot of fourth and fifth year players and she was a six year player. So unfortunate for her. And I'm just, I'm wishing her the very best. I, I, I don't know. I just, I can't wait to not can't wait, but I just want to hear the results for, and I'm sure they feel the same way. Aaliyah included, you know?
1: Yeah, I guess I should clarify a possible season ending knee injury.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um and but you know, I wanted to sit on UCLA for a second because um, both of their losses that you mentioned actually came in extra innings and both of them were walk-offs. Um, so they're going to remember that for the rest of the season. And I think that they're going to be better in those moments because they did lose those games, um, this weekend in February, they're going to learn from it. They're going to go back to the drawing board, make practices a little bit tougher, know, like have a few key things that they could have, should have done. Um, but I, I, I think they're going to be fine. And they're still just a really, really strong team. Holly, to me, Gray, stuck out um, the most. Holly Acevedo, um, the way that she stepped up so far this year in the outings that she's had.
0: Yeah, I was about to mention that. You know, Acevedo, I think y'all made a great point last night. I think Beth said it coming out of break where UCLA might have found that number two that they were looking for. A lot of the teams, you know, in that top six have that great ace, but some of them are still looking for that number two. And and UCLA might have found it in the toughest tournament you can have in the non-conference.
2: Yeah. I thought that she looked great. That was definitely a question mark for them. And last week, our opening weekend, she got the start um, against Oklahoma and didn't do too much damage they ended up using you know a couple of their other pitchers but she did get the start so that was a great experience for her to get to pitch against them and um the way that she pitched in Clearwater was really really strong and then the way that she came in relief last night national tv lot big crowd she did really really well and i know that she's going to get the loss which by the way her career record is like 42 and 3 now i mean it's like <laughs> like we don't talk about her like the fact like she wouldn't have that record but she does like she wins games you know, so um, you have to respect what she's put together so far in her career and how she's even gotten better this year.
0: All right, Amanda, let's talk Texas. Mm. A disaster of a trip to Clearwater. Oh, five. I, I don't think I'm reaching by saying that. Oh, five in the tournament. Pitching staff had a 7 1 ERA in the event, 12 errors in five games. What's the problem?
2: I. It, 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 I don't know, because I, I'm not there. And I feel like this is one of those situations, um, just from uh, basing off of my own experience of when our, my own teams weren't playing well, that you just feel like something else is going on. Um, and you don't want to assume 100%. Again, I'm just speaking from my own experience of watching them that they just don't look like they're having fun. They don't. There's no leadership. Their pitchers are throwing a little bit um, fearful. Like they're just not doing a lot right at all. I mean, the one I, I will say the one bright spot was the way that Sophia Simpson threw against UCLA in their two-one loss. Um, that was a, she, she had great. She kept them off balance, kept them in the game after a little bit of a rocky start in that game. But I just don't know what's happening. Um, it. Uh, quite on it was just hard to watch at times um because there's one thing where you can just tell a team is trying to figure it out and that will that always happens at this point in the season but then there, like with watching texas it just seemed like they like there was something bigger going on i like i don't know what it is but it just um it was really unf- it was hard to watch again it, it yeah. wasn't as a former player it wasn't it wasn't fun to watch
0: I mean, two things stuck out to me. One, just I can't even imagine the scorecards after that Texas UCF game. Good Lord. (laughs) And number two, watching Texas Notre Dame on Sunday, they were heading to the seventh inning, or it was either the top or the bottom, whatever inning Texas was batting, and Mary Iacopo got the final out. And as she was going to kind of greet the team, her body language and kind of the whole team's body language really said something to me. Nobody seemed excited. Nobody seemed to have any semblance of belief. Now it was 9-2. It would have taken a lot of belief to come back. But still, I think you're right on the money. There just doesn't seem to be that kind of energy right now around that program, which is a surprise because we thought, you know, maybe, just maybe, this could be the year they finally get a game from Oklahoma or something like that.
2: They're so deep. They have so much talent and they do have a lot of new faces. And so you think maybe they're just trying to figure it out, find that team chemistry and look like everybody does it at a different time of the year. Everybody finds it and comes about finding their team chemistry at a very different, um, timeline. And so you can't compare them to anybody else because Texas is going to have their own journey, have their own thing. But, um, it just didn't, I don't know. It like, I didn't see any leadership and, um, I, it was the most bizarre thing. Like, I I honestly cannot remember a team having a worst weekend, a worse weekend. Um, and that UCF game, that 15 to 10 score was it was for the birds. Like you're right. The scorecard, I mean, was like a complete mess. So many changes, errors, wild pitches, plays at the plate. Like it had everything, but I don't, you guys, we'll have to see how they rebound this weekend against teams like Arizona state, um, Tulsa. And I think UTSA, they have coming in here to Austin. So, um, we'll see. I I'm, I'm nervous for them. I wouldn't want to be a player on their team. I wouldn't be sleeping well right now. If I were them at all, if I was a coach, I wouldn't be sleeping well on their team.
1: Yeah, they have that. And then the week after that, they come to Tuscaloosa for, for and they'll play Alabama oh, a couple of times. So hopefully they don't figure it's it not out not until time. after they, <laughs> they want to wait a minute. A
2: okay.
1: <laughs> uh, couple of teams that had much better weeks in Clearwater than Texas did, and surprisingly so, was Northwestern and Auburn. Uh, you know, Auburn went four and one. Their only loss was to UCLA. Northwestern walked off UCLA and, and had a really good weekend as well. Uh, What do you think is the ceiling for those two teams that kind of are surprising people early on?
2: Yeah, I mean, go Northwestern and Auburn. Those are two teams that like just surprised everybody, right? Like when we're thinking about the Big Ten, like Michigan, 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 Northwestern's over here, like, no, no. We're actually probably the team to be in the Big Ten this year. Like Danielle Williams threw so well. You talk about a team that played with a lot of fight, a lot of heart. They played together, like did all like did everything right, had that same type of feel. Like Florida State playing for each other, playing together. Like you could just see it. And like Danielle Williams was back to her freshman type form. And they they had big hits late in the game, good at bats late in the game, two strike hits late in the game. And like that's when you can really tell that a team is is fighting for. Each other when the types of things are happening like that. And then for Auburn, I mean, it started opening weekend with this just home run barrage. They hit 22 all of last season and they're like almost at that total right now. So uh, this new power strength and conditioning is up. I heard Mickey Dean talking about it. Like they're really strong, really explosive. And, um, Brie Ellis, I used to give pitching lessons to her. She's, uh, they freshmen, first baseman. She's hit four or five home runs. So she's off to a really good start. She doesn't pitch anymore. She just hits a ton of bombs, but, um, I, super impressive. And then you guys, they have two really good pitchers, a lefty and a righty. So Auburn is a Going to be at the top of the SEC if they continue to play like this. I mean, they're going to be really young, right? Because they have all that new talent, but um, they could be a contender, maybe, right? Auburn out of nowhere.
1: Mm. I only picked them to finish 13th in the conference, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll see what We've happens. We've been wrong before. We've been wrong before, yes. Uh, but
2: uh, right. nobody I, saw it coming either. Yeah, right? I mean, well, Auburn saw it coming, but
1: well, yeah. Uh, but I've noticed you've said a couple of times that some of these teams that are playing really well together. You've mentioned the chemistry and how much. That, is, that has really been playing in a uh, couple of teams that have struggled like Texas, Oklahoma state, as well as had some ups and downs are, it seems to be teams that really rely on those transfers coming in. Uh, how much do you think that is playing into some teams chemistry or lack thereof?
2: Yeah, I think that that absolutely can play a part. Um, I think that the difference with watching like Oklahoma state is that they're like you just feel like they're going to get it. Like you just feel that they're close, have to work on some things, like it will turn around, like they're still playing hard and it's just just not not happening yet. You know, just got some things to work on. Um, and I think too, like with Morgan Day and Miranda Ellish, those are two key cogs for Oklahoma State. We know what Kelly Maxwell can do, but uh, Day in Elish this year, unproven. I mean, we've seen Elish play before, but as of right now, she has, it is not proven in this year because we didn't see her last year. But I will say, you guys, like, she is such a fighter. I, I have find myself pulling for her now because of just everything that she's gone through. And like, I, I don't know, like I, I, because I see her out there just getting it out. I see her out there trying to figure it out and she's not going to, she doesn't give in. She doesn't, she's not one of those pictures that gets so mental that she just collapses in the middle of an inning. She, if she, through pitches over the middle of the plate. It's not because of her, her mindset or her mentality. It's just because she of her mechanics and that stuff that she will be able to practice that stuff that she will be able to get. So I have full confidence in Miranda Ellis and you saw her grow up last weekend. You saw her opening weekend. You saw her grow up in Clearwater. And I think a prime example is their last game. She gave up three runs to Northwestern and then ended up pitching the complete game and got the win. And she started hitting too. So mm-hmm. I like when she's doing both, you can tell she's feeling good and she's going to be a huge part of their game and, and just getting better. And Kenny, you guys will let her figure it out. He's not going to pull her. He has full belief in her to leave her out there. Even after giving up three runs early in the game, leave her out there to finish the game, knowing how important it is for him to do that.
0: Amanda Scarborough joining us here for the stealing second portion of the show. You can hear on the seven innings podcast podcast, You can see her on Instagram live, which in Schroeder, we can see the wheel behind you. That's do we have a name yet? The spin, the spin. I like it. And I (laughs) use that as a segue because uh, last week we talked to Jan about Washington and I asked her the question, does Washington's offense make the conversation about the Huskies needing a number two, a moot point because they scored runs out the wazoo opening weekend this weekend. A little calmer, especially at the end of the Clearwater Invitational, but we did kind of see what Heather Tarr's strategy is going to be, which seems to be throw everybody else in the non-Gabby Plain games and then have Gabby Plain try and do it herself uh, when she gets the start. Do you think that will work long term this year?
2: Yeah, because Gabby will be healthy when it really matters. And that is what Heather Tar is basing her season around um, to get those other pitchers innings in time and hopes that they can contribute in the postseason. But the main goal is going to be to be able to host for sure, host a regional. They host a super regional even better, but for sure, host a regional. Can, and try it, of course, always contend for a Pac-12 championship. But the main goal this year is to keep Gabby playing healthy and be ready for the postseason. So she's committed to that. And you, you saw her put that into effect this season. And she's going to stick with that because she told us coming into the weekend um, when we talked to her preseason that looking back, they last year they got into the run of a, a Pac-12 championship and they started to throw Gabby every single game. And that was a little bit of a regret for her that – um, she threw her so much that then she was tired for the postseason. So I think she's going to learn from that mistake and get Gabby ready to go for the postseason when she knows that she can be fresh and then end up throwing every game if she needs to.
1: Talking about another team down in, in Clearwater this weekend was Tennessee and had a kind of a, a scary situation with Ash, Ashley Rogers going out after the first three innings uh, in their first game. Uh, do you have any update on her? And then if she is out for, for any period of time, uh, what will that mean for Tennessee?
2: Yeah, um, didn't it was that a rough weekend in the circle after that? And, and like it's always hard when one of your star players goes down, especially when it's a pitcher, right? But Tennessee is just like Washington and very similar to UCLA in the sense that you know that you have a number one pitcher and who's going to back up. Behind her, and they have a couple of transfers. I feel like Aaron Edmondson gave them some good innings, and she's going to be somebody that they can rely on. But um, she just is not that level quite of what Ashley Rogers is the type of pitcher that can take you deep into the postseason, take you to the World Series. And look, maybe Aaron Edmondson proves us all wrong. And if Ashley Rogers doesn't pitch another day, she's the one that gets them back to the Women's College World Series. But um, it, it was unfortunate that she went down or didn't go down, but we didn't see her the rest of the weekend because I was really looking forward to seeing this new Tennessee play with a lot of transfers, new coaching staff. To me, they just have this different energy about them. And I didn't feel like we really got to see the real Tennessee play this weekend because of the fact that Ashley Rogers wasn't there. So they're going to get a lot of opportunities. The other pitchers, a lot of experience, and it's just going to be, Hey, can we figure this out? Can we find a way to win? Can we find a way to use these pieces in different roles? Um, And that's going to, it's going to be on their coaching staff and their pitching coach and and Karen weekly to, to see if they can do that. And, And I don't have any more updates. I'm not sure. Um, what the current update is on her, but I can't wait again, kind of like the Leah Jordan to find out and here this week.
0: Because I mean, Tennessee kind of needs her back. They've got Oklahoma yes. this weekend, so they I, I don't know if anybody else on that staff can even somewhat hang with the Sooners. but
2: yeah that is a good point. and I hadn't looked that far ahead on Tennessee yet to know that they actually, oh, you're right. Yeah, okay, in Palm Springs. yeah, I was looking at um, Oklahoma schedule. but I will you guys, Kiki Malloy is the real deal. She had so many lead off like home runs, bit like big moments when they're down, when they needed her the most. She can run um, steal bases, like plays good defense. Like she is the real deal. So she truly, in, in my mind, that was a big takeaway for me with Tennessee this weekend is that she's one of the best players in the country, undoubtedly. And she is a lot of fun to watch play. Amanda, there are 20 teams in the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. We cannot
0: individually discuss all of them. But was there anybody that we haven't talked about? Any storylines that we haven't discussed that really stuck out to you? Uh, Valerie Cagle, maybe, and anything else?
2: Yeah, that, man, there really, there really are so many storylines. Um, that last game, Sunday, I got a chance to watch her pitch and and then swing the bat. Kagel, uh, that is against Washington. What a big win for their program. First top 10 win in Clemson history. And of course it would be Kagel that got the win, shut out Washington, had a home run in that game. Like she- she just really played to the ability that, that she can. And I don't think that Clemson played to how we're going to see them later on in the season. I think they're a team that will just figure it out and, and turn it on later. Um, but you know, that that's going to go a long way. And when it comes down to, and every game is so important for may and the selection show and seating, that's going to be a really big win for Clemson as you kind of just feel like they're going to be a team that is right there on the cusp of hosting, not hosting a, a bubble host team. Um, so that's what comes to mind. And then, honestly, just like the strength zone and like the pace of the play, we had two, three and a half hour games. So my big takeaway is like just selfishly from our own games, the, the, the pace of play i don't know what was going on it was just so slow moving in so many of these games and the strike zone i felt like was really tight so honestly when i think about besides the teams take away from the tournament other than it just being awesome with fans and support and everything is that i, I like the strike zone was just so tight and it's not just me who's saying that there were so many coaches that were talking about it just seemed like a a 50 50 call most of the time went to the way of the hitter and not the pitcher. Mm -hmm. And that leads to longer games that leads to more offense, more walks.
0: Can I just add one more? Can we get rid of ITB for the primetime game? There's nothing happening after let's just do regular extras. I don't (laughs) know what we're doing.
2: Well, people forget. I mean, it's a long weekend though, right? Like people like we're, so we're like the only sport, right. That plays five games in a weekend. I mean, and every team basically is doing that. So if you don't do that, you risk then turning one game into two games and they're already playing five. So then you might play six or seven games in a week, right? Because of a midweek game. So I do get why they do it. And I, I, I do, it it does kind of stink, right? Cause you wanted to see him play it out. But I mean, UCLA and Florida state both had a game earlier that day. And I think on the weekend, Florida state played six or seven games because it's like they played what South Alabama then rolled in. They played Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then UCLA played a lot and traveled too. So I get it. It's not fun as a fan, but I do get why, right? Like, you have to put into perspective, like, baseball doesn't play that many games. Basketball doesn't play that many games. Football sure doesn't obviously play that many games, but it's a lot, right? For these athletes.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just being selfish. I just wanted to keep going. I I was having so much fun watching and listening to your broadcast. Oh, my
2: gosh. I know. And I couldn't believe that UCLA didn't score in the top of the eighth. Like, when you really look back, that that half inning was so long, and it was like, wow, that was huge that they didn't score. And then Florida State ended up walking off.
1: Yeah. And it worked out for Florida State, but I don't know how after you say it uh, doesn't score in the eighth, you don't bunt over the runner to third. And but that, that, that's 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 a whole.
2: But you know what? <laughs> that's what the that's what February is for. Trying out things. Hey, Mac Leonard, you're one of our best hitters. Here's an opportunity for you to go up and swing the bat like yeah. that. That's what that's what they've proven so far this season. They do that. They can not swing the bat like that. So just try it out. You know, like they were having a great week, and if I don't know the game wasn't going to be lost on that because they knew it was tied. You know, like why not just like sure. take a risk yeah. and just. And just let her go. It almost Back paid Leonard off.
0: FGCL, by the way.
2: Just, right again. Another yeah. <laughs> Kinda watch. Yeah.
1: Um, outside of Clearwater, we had a top ten matchup in Tuscaloosa with a couple of matchups, uh, amazing pitchers duels. Yes. Between, it, between Alabama and Virginia Tech. Just wanted to get your thoughts on both those teams. Alabama, obviously, unanimous number two in the country right now. Virginia Tech, they definitely have the pitching to make a make a run to Oklahoma City. The question will be the offense.
2: Yeah. So coming into the year, um, we did, we had to fill out some questions for ESPN.com and they asked, you know, who do you feel like is the biggest transfer, biggest impact player? That's a new face on a team. And I immediately said, Ali Shipman, and you can say, oh yeah, but well, she's a great catcher, defense leader, whatever. But I thought that she was going to bring offense to Alabama. Coming into the season. And we haven't seen her, I don't think, hit quite to her potential when she was at Tennessee, but you just could feel it that she could be like an impact offensive player. And I love what she's brought offensively to Alabama. And I think that that's been huge. Love the defense that Alabama played, um, coming up with those key plays, especially after a game of just a ton of strikeouts with fouls and more um, defensive type game and less fewer strikeouts with Kilfoil playing, but are with Kilfoil pitching. So um, you, I know you, they got tested. And I love that Alabama stepped up. Now on the other side of things like Virginia tech to me is a world series team. And I know that they didn't swing it because they didn't score any runs against Alabama, but, but they got close. They were threatening. They're just one swing away from breaking things open. Things just didn't go their way. Right. But when you have pitchers like they have, they can get you to Oklahoma city and that team will hit Pete DeMore coached at Missouri. He got them to the world series. He knows what it takes to get them there. And when you have the arms that they have, they're, they're going to be a contender. If not this year, then maybe next year. But I, I think this year they can get there. I truly do.
0: Yeah, honestly, it was one of those weekends where as great as Alabama played, the biggest story to me was Emma Limley. I knew yeah. that she was a highly rated recruit, but watching her pitch, it was it was so interesting because I haven't seen a pitcher perplex Alabama batters from start to finish of a game like that maybe since G Juarez back in 19 in the world series. I mean, it it was one of the most impressive performances I've seen from anyone at Rhodes, let alone a freshman making her first, True road start against the number two team in the country. I know.
2: So incredible. I went back and um, so I worked out yesterday morning um, in the hotel. And after I ran, I was just walking on the treadmill and I watched a couple of the innings just on my iPad while I was walking, just to move and do something and be able to watch a game outside of Clearwater. And she, her rise ball was so explosive. I mean, it was just jumping and you could tell with how far Alabama was expanding their zones, but it reminded me of I got a chance to watch Jordy Ball pitch in person the freshman for Oklahoma and how she pitched against UCLA, it was very very similar. The way that she was able to just shut an offense down, Jordy Ball with going to up against UCLA, like at a, a similar feel. So those two freshmen Upspin getting a, tons of swings and misses, so pitch with good velocity, good movement like they're the real deal, they really, really are. And you can tell they got they went up against top five, top three teams, and they were able to have success. Like, I cannot wait to watch that both of those players develop.
0: Well, speaking of Jordy Ball, one last question, Amanda, before we let you go. Records were broken or at least tied this week with Jocelyn Allo like just I I don't know how she does it I mean this lady comes in she needs five home runs on the weekend she gets it in like six at-bats to tie Lauren Chamberlain for the all-time home run record goodness gracious Uh, I mean not surprising considering how far she was behind coming into the year but I don't think anyone expected her to get it this quickly
2: I know clearly she's not feeling the pressure of breaking the record like Lauren Chamberlain did a little bit, um, whenever she broke it, but it, um, I think that makes her even more scary to think about because you see the way that she performs under pressure. She doesn't get phased. She doesn't, she doesn't let that stuff get into her head. And so that's why she was a player of the year last year. That's why she could potentially back it up with another player, national player of the year this year. Um, she's so good. And I mean, I, we're all assuming that she'll probably do it in Palm Springs, right. Coming up. So, um, I know Patty Gasso was trying to get to Hawaii to see if she could break because they'll play in Hawaii the weekend after that. Um, Thinking, I don't know, like Patty Gasso, just trying to time it up, right? Thinking like four, fourth weekend into se- into season, maybe that can be when she breaks it. But I think she'll break it next weekend in Hawaii. It can just be like a kind of a celebration well, for. Her.
1: I'm sure the teams like Tennessee, they're going to play them. Wouldn't, wouldn't mind if she just sat out this weekend. And yeah, I that. know, it's right? That'd be fine. Yeah,
2: no, <laughs> no, 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 Patty, no, Patty is going to play her. She wants her to pile up the home runs so that she can go chase after that National Player of the Year award again. Because look, she is she's a true contender. Tender for it with the way that she's come out
0: well then in that case i will predict it happens against tennessee if ashley rogers is not available i think Um, yeah probably so yeah
2: we'll see yeah i did the lefty uh, McCachran, i think her name is for tennessee she threw well just give a shout out to her
0: maybe we'll see i don't (laughs) know but jocelyn all is a different animal
2: (laughs) yeah for sure
0: uh, Amanda Scarborough joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. Amanda, it is so good to see you. I'm not going to spoil things, but I know we will see you at some point here in Tuscaloosa later this year. We're so excited for that. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. I We have some good games that we might see each other for coming up. I'm looking forward to it. It'd be fun. Yeah, thank you, Amanda.
0: So that was Amanda Scarborough. Always good to chat up with Amanda. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can tell she had a great time in Clearwater. Oh, I'm jealous. I mean, yeah. like... I don't know if I want Alabama to play in that event considering what happened to a lot of the teams down there.
1: I but love watching
0: it. Yes. Yeah. I like, like broadcasting. It would be so much fun, but right. being there like with a team riding the emotional highs and lows, yeah. we've done it
1: once. It was a nightmare. And now considering the parody, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. <laughs> it was a nightmare. We went three and two, by the way, it's all, <sighs> we, we act like it was an 0 and five weekend for Alabama, Alabama, you know, got a big win over Washington. It's just, it, it was it was rough the UCLA and, and Oklahoma State game. Like honestly, I'm just gonna be real. It makes me feel a lot better
0: about how Alabama did a couple years ago. And and you know all teams are different, but like Clemson also went three and two. They mm-hmm. had a good weekend. You look at Notre Dame; they probably feel amazing. They were two and three in Clearwater. <laughs> right. Michigan probably not real happy with their two and two. <laughs> I you know I feel better about Alabama getting out of there with a winning record somehow. <laughs> right. But either way, speaking of winners, we're going to come back and talk about it. Winners and losers from Clearwater. Not all winning records are created equal. Not all losing records are created equal. We'll talk about it when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Hey. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. Brain Tom talking to you, as we will all weekend. Remember, there's no streaming, none. None. There was a lot of streaming and TV viewing at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational, though, Tom, and that is where we go here as we round third on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that that this tournament has been big. Uh, Alabama's been there before, like we talked about in 2020, but it just seemed like it went to another level with with this field that they had this year.
0: Winners and losers, that's what we're going to play from the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. We start with the winners, the sport of softball. I mean, sometimes I, I feel weird calling it quote unquote our sport because we didn't play and we didn't coach, yeah. but it is a sport we cover it is a sport that we love and dad for like four days I woke up pressed power on the TV and softball was on and then you cap it off with an epic conclusion in Florida State UCLA not just because of the matchup but because of how the game played out and the drama and the theater in that and the way it unfolded down the stretch. We don't know the ratings yet. By the time you're listening to this, it might be out there. I assume it is at worst close to a million, but hopefully more, probably more. I mean, an, an impressive showcase for the sport.
1: Absolutely. And you couldn't have asked for a better way to cap it off with, with the type of game you got on Sunday night. Cause yeah, you, you know, you, you would hate it to have seen that type of a game and it being like a run roll or, or a game that was put away early. That wasn't the case. Obviously, you had a great game between Florida State and UCLA. You had a lot of really good games moving forward, and those are the type of weekends. Because of the way that the sport is set up, Scarborough said that you know you play five or six games in a weekend here in these first few weeks. If you can get all those televised, that that's a lot of softball being played early on. Yeah, and you can get people hooked early, and then they're going to follow the whole year long, um, especially this year when you know you're not going to have spring training at least you know to start off with. For baseball, if you're if you're a, if you're a baseball fan, you need that fix. Softball's there for you, so I, I I think it was a great jumping off point to what could be maybe a you know a seismic shift change in some people's uh, viewing habits if they if this type of season continues.
0: I mean, I'm here for it. Congrats to ESPN Events, Megaronowitz, Michelle Smith played a huge part in making the event happen in Clearwater. Everybody involved. Uh, great work, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone in softball wins because of this tournament that we had. Our first loser, Big Twelve. They did not win mm. very much. Two and fourteen as a league. Golly, Oklahoma State got the two wins. They were two and three. Texas, just as we mentioned with Amanda, a disaster. I don't know where it went wrong. 0 and five. Here was the pitching line. Are you ready for this? Thirty three innings. 45 hits, 41 runs, 34 earned, 22 walks, 32 strikeouts, a 7 2 1 ERA. They had 12 errors all weekend in five games. The offense, they were never in it, really, except against UCLA. A disaster for Texas. Mm. Like the biggest loser by far of any individual team.
1: And our hopes for someone to be maybe able to contend or give Oklahoma any type of uh, resistance in the Big 12 uh, look dimmer and dimmer
0: yeah i mean I'm, I'm with amanda that oklahoma state looks like they can get better i texas i mean i yeah. i think they can i just don't know how it happens
1: right i mean if if this isn't rock bottom then i'm not sure what's what what's yeah. to come
0: for the long run. also just by association texas tech is a quote-unquote loser they went 0-6 they were probably the weakest team there but they fought hard i mean they barely lost to washington they were in a lot of games so right it's tough to say it's a wash of a weekend that's experience that'll help them in the big 12. And, you know, that's a team that's trying to beat everybody else so that they can boost that tournament resume and maybe have a shot at that large bid.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're Texas Tech and you accept that invitation to Clearwater, you know, what's coming, what's in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't, I think they can take a lot of uh, positives from it, even with the O for record.
0: Winners, Northwestern. Yeah. Where did that come from? They beat UCLA they beat up on Foramo. They beat Clemson like handily. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Oklahoma State had a, a nice rally to come back. But overall, Northwestern, that was a team that I've always been kind of lukewarm on. I've never thought, ah, you know, this isn't team is going to win the conference. They're not going to challenge for OKC. I don't know if I'm on OKC quite yet, but they're certainly a team that can make some noise in the postseason.
1: Yeah, I, I feel a lot more confident in them than I do a team like Michigan right now in that conference. Absolutely. Yeah. Another loser.
0: UCLA. Mm. They went three and two, but as we talked about with Amanda, the Aaliyah Jordan injury, if she is truly out for the year, it, it it's devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. Like there's no other way to put it. You cannot just straight up replace a player like Aaliyah Jordan. Right.
1: It's still uh, an elite player that, that you're losing. And and even if you have five stars in the wings waiting to come in, there's a reason why, you know, Aaliyah was starting over them to begin with. So uh, the, it's going to be at least uh, some transition and some, you know, issues coming forward. And, you know, uh, UCLA already has three losses. Yeah. Um, I, I also I remember included, the last time I've said that, you know, two weeks into the season. That's true. I included the loss of Northwestern,
0: the way they lost that game, right? you know, it's against Northwestern going in. I, I had no interest whatsoever in that game. No. Didn't think Northwestern had a prayer. I don't know if that says more about UCLA that they let the Wildcats get back in that game or about Northwestern they were able to fight back I think perhaps early on you can say it says more about Northwestern but as we gain more evidence we'll we'll find out later on in the year
1: yeah well and like Amanda said you could take that two ways one if you're UCLA we, we lost two but they were both on walk-offs uh so we're right there you know nothing to worry about but at the same time like we lost two and dang it they were on walk-offs right so it's like so that, that could also be
0: have the opposite effect on you Let's knock out three other winners here. Auburn, a definite winner. Sure. Four and one, much better than I thought they would do mm-hmm. rolling in. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think we said if you get out with three and two, you're happy, and they mm-hmm. got out with four and one. Yep. Florida State, the only undefeated team at Clearwater, ab- obviously a winner. That offense is different from
1: every other year we've seen the last couple seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, they're, it's not going to be because one or two players get hot at the right time. It's, this is a legit offense now. Um, and it's uh, they're, they're going to be a, a definite contender uh, all the way through
0: and finally Washington I've got them as a winner they go four and one in Clearwater they lose one game against Clemson which was one of the Gabby playing games I'm trying to decide if that's like good news for Washington or bad news because you know Gabby
1: Plane is not going to lose that often right I don't know well, how do you feel I mean you know I think that's just one of those I mean it'd be like you know if Alabama had lost one of the Virginia Tech games it's like well you know it was just you know two elite pitchers going in each other and, and one wins and one has to take a hard luck loss that's kind of like what it was with playing the way that Kegel was pitching in that ball game yeah the
0: last two losers LSU and Tennessee uh, just just because nothing seemed to go right yeah
1: and it's and it's not necessarily where they are now but like does that is that a harbinger of things to come or The trajectory is not good for either one of those teams right now.
0: Right. I think I've got them in that column because when we did last week's show, there were two of the teams that we talked about that just just didn't impress us, even though Tennessee did go undefeated in week one. And neither of them did anything to make me feel better. And now Tennessee, a big part of that was no Ashley Rogers. And we certainly hope for her health that she'll be back soon,
1: but we don't know the status and unanswered questions for sure prevail there. Mm. And then, you know, LSU, the Pleasants numbers are just they're they're mind-boggling to me right yeah. now especially as well as she played in the team USA tryouts to end up making that team I don't know how you go from playing that well to playing that poorly
0: yeah also the loss to Notre Dame 8-6 like they had a 5-2 five, 5-3 five, lead right and couldn't hold on maybe Notre Dame's a little bit better than we thought but I, I, I don't know mm. Mm. All right. Big outside the SEC games in week three. Tom, let's do our thing. Pick one from each day. What excites you? Well,
1: on Friday, Northwestern plays Oregon at the Mary Nutter. Yes. This is a Northwestern goes down to Clearwater, plays a lot better than people are expecting. Now they go out to the Mary Nutter, uh, a lot of travel there, um, two really big tournaments back to back. You know, what, what does Northwestern have? Are they able to sustain this? you know, in multiple weeks against uh, top level competition and Oregon, you know, they're coming off of uh, wins over Baylor. So, uh, maybe it's also a a test for the ducks as well.
0: So one of the big mysteries in college softball right now is where is Brooke Yanez as I've got the Oregon stats pulled up. You notice she has not thrown this year. I've heard that she could have last weekend, but she did not. Where is she? What's up, Brooke? Where you Hmm. at? Put her on the milk carton. Right. Where is
1: she? very strange yes very odd so So, if if she does pitch this weekend welcome um, you're facing a northwestern team that's
0: probably feeling as good about themselves as they have in the last decade
1: yeah that's a tough start
0: saturday i agree with you by the way on friday Mm -hmm. saturday my eyes go to washington northwestern Mm -hmm. i mean can, can northwestern do it again against another one of the big pac 12 powers
1: Yeah. And then I'm looking at another matchup at the Mary Nutter is Arizona and Oklahoma. Mm. We've seen this Oklahoma absolutely steamroll everyone they played this this year. Uh, You know, outside, you know, but even the UCLA game wasn't necessarily a steamroll, but it was a game they had in hand and and won it. Uh, Will they be able to continue to do that against a team like Arizona, which has the offense? You know, the pitching is still an an issue. You know, will, will they be able to do what to Arizona, what Alabama did to Arizona? I think because now you're going to get to the point where if there's this separation between the top five, six teams in America, how are they going to do against common opponents? It's going to to become a, a talking point. Sunday, my eyes go to Troy Virginia
0: Tech in Columbia, South Carolina. Troy, pitch Leanna Johnson against Keely Rochard. I want to see it. I expect Rochard to win that. Mm-hmm. but I want to see Johnson pitch against the Hokies. I also want to see it for Virginia Tech's sake. Can they hit Johnson? We know how good she can be. If they can, get, can hit her, then I, I think the offense will be just fine. If not, then perhaps we ask a few more questions about the Hokies, considering they haven't made adjustments against the great pitchers, but I want to see that pitching matchup.
1: And then I want to see what Texas does in that entire tournament. They finish off with Arizona Arizona State on Sunday Uh, Also playing a Texas state team that has, has been good in the past. Are are they going to be able to right the ship in any way? Or does, does the spiral continue even, you know, when they're hosting a tournament, when you host a tournament, you want to try to, you know, You expect to win most, if not all the games, Mississippi state. Right. It's a get right time. Uh, So we'll see if if Mike White's squad is able to do that this weekend before they come to Tuscaloosa in two weeks.
0: Mm. We've got our eyes on it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. We're on
1: it. All right.
0: somewhere nathan sheen is we've rounded third Mm -hmm. it's time to head home you've been ready for this i'm ready
1: i've been i've been storing this one up
0: by the way all of you you're welcome that segment probably way (laughs) shorter than everything else we've recorded (laughs) as we record i don't have time stamps but i'm just taking a wild guess yeah yeah but when we get back we've got off the wall but prior to that tom has got something to say as we bring back a segment from season one. It's not even on the rundown. Oh wow! On our soapbox has returned. Tom's stepping on it. Mm-hmm. He's talking about tournaments. That's when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. <sighs> Welcome back, Ray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. It's the Out of the Box podcast. I hope you know that you've been listening for like two hours. <laughs> it's time to head home. Sunsetting. We're listening to the club music of Valley shipman's walk up just just jamming out in the car ready to
1: go i am a big fan of several of the walk-up songs of the team this year as we're going like 80s rock for a couple of them i have
0: I didn't really get oh, to yeah. hear it because i've got right. you know the headset is very on right I, it's tough to hear much besides like the crowd mic jenna johnson and bailey dowling both going a motley crew Ooh, yeah great stuff can't wait for that first radio game we'll get to hear the whole thing <laughs> before we head home a look back, you're you going to want to catch all these segments. We started to play really good discussion about where this team is right now. Uh, I saw a couple people, we're going to touch on it later, with some concerns. I don't think those are legitimate concerns. But, again, we've got off sure. the wall coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. Advancing to first, week two, SEC bama florida at the top everybody else what are you doing mm-hmm. and <laughs> we had the fgcl player of the week congrats michaela Edenfield. we stole second with amanda scarborough we rounded third and discussed winners and losers from the saint pete clearwater elite invitational talks about what other games outside the sec we're interested in and now we head home and do something we don't usually do so usually on this pod we've got like the weekly segments the yearly segments And then new crap I come up with. Right. Like the overreaction game and stuff like that. Now we're going to the old crap. We're going, we're like digging through the files. (laughs) Got the chest papers flying and we found it. On our soapbox Mm -hmm. is returning. Now this segment, we did it once in 2019 after the officiating in the Alabama-South Carolina series was so bad. Mm. And then we retired it because we really didn't need it because we had off the wall. But Tom came in and said, Gray, I need some time to talk about some some tournament things. Yes. And I said, well, it's time for on our soapbox. So here we go. Tom, all right. get on your soapbox. Thank let her rip.
1: All right. First of all, all right. the first part of my soapbox is, again, go, going back to the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational, which I totally agree with you. Congratulations to everybody involved putting putting this thing on. ESPN, uh, the people in, in St. Pete, Clearwater, Schmitty, everybody did a great job. That being said, we are we are having such a spotlight on the sport and the facility that they are putting this event on in. It's like serving filet mignon on a paper plate. Mm. It, we have people warming up in you know amongst the spectators. We have you know pitchers warming up in the on the warning track, not even in a bullpen. Yeah, um, we have UCLA playing. Washington it wasn't you say Washington but it was, it was UCLA playing one of their top games on a field with a temporary fence we we went a year and a half without this thing happening and it looks as though there's been no improvements made to this facility and I just I don't understand I will say based on what I
0: heard the fan experience portion of it was improved there was a hospitality area with cheap you know, all you can eat food and stuff right. that, that doesn't do much for the teams participating.
1: No, they can't drink no. while they play. No, they cannot, you know, it's standing room only. We can only have like 750 people in this thing. <clears throat> you know, a game like last night, the Florida state UCLA game, there should have been thousands of people there. There should have been people sitting in actual seats and not, uh, you yes. know, in uh, temporary bleachers. So I just, if there was a way, a better facility, if there was something that could be done to where the, true like the overall experience of this level of a tournament because again the, the field was just amazing the softball is amazing just
0: incredible. every day we had a good game Thursday right. well Thursday's games were kind of snoozers but everything else right was fantastic
1: yeah so we just there has to be something done our friend Brian Rice sent out a picture from where he was broadcasting as a Tennessee radio guy it's from the outfield yeah. which I would rather be in the outfield where he was and where we were you know, in 2020.
0: But based on the picture I saw from the Auburn radio guy who was there, which apparently that's like they're traveling now, which could for Auburn. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we could both fit on this platform.
1: Yeah. You know, we had broadcasters doing this thing remotely. We had, it's, it's like a really nice municipal park, but should that really be the place that we're hosting 20 of the top, the one softball teams in America for a, a for a, ter- a tournament that's being broadcast on national television? I mean, let's do it in Clearwater, but
0: let's do right. it right. Exactly. Like, I think we said a couple of years ago after we went, like, if you just added, like, five feet of separation amongst everything, you would feel a little better. You can add more seats if there was right. a way to... The bullpen situation has to be fixed. Right. I mean, that that's not good. There There are improvements that need to be made. And to be fair, when we did talk to Jen back in 2020, she said they've been meeting about it, but I had expected to see a little more... Right. obvious improvement this year you know not necessarily a full rebuild but the temporary fence mm-hmm. is still like the same thing that golf courses use at right. tournaments to guide fans where to go right that's not stopping anything we right. saw how many diving yeah. catches did we see over that fence where people just fell into it
1: yeah so and i mean i understand that you know that's the way softball has been played but it's 2022 and this yeah. has now become you know softball is I think it's outgrown having to be played in places like that, yeah, facilities like that. I'm with you. So that's, and that kind of brings me to my other part is in tournaments as a whole and softball in particular, that softball as a sport is going to have to become more media friendly. And the way for it to continue to grow and continue to get the eyes on it and the, the coverage that we want, ways to not be media friendly is to try- is to schedule games two hours apart in the same tournament.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No chance of that happening. We made, we, we, made, we made a joke about it, about the Mardi Gras Mambo. No chance those games start on those times. No, I have been told there are five fields there, which almost makes it worse. Makes it harder. Because I... what if one game goes into extra innings? Yeah. You know, what what if one game has, you know, is a 12-10, even if that's a regulation game that's going to last two and a half hours, three hours. We have to just in general, you know, we had two and a half hours at the Bamba Bash but that the turnaround time, you know, it's radio, you know, we, we can make it work TV. That's just, that's just so tough. It's, it's, it's brutal.
0: Let me tell you, I can't remember. I think it was middle Tennessee. There was one of the games. I can't remember which one it was whatever game where Alabama's opponent had just played might've been one of the Virginia tech games, but like we got, lineups for the other team with like six minutes until we went on the air right and so they, they're trying to build like graphics sure in these six minutes yeah and that's yes. that like the turnaround time is insane especially when you've got a sport like softball where the lineup is never the same no ever especially this early in
1: the year yeah so that just makes it way harder for everybody so like we're already in a situation where softball is different in baseball is where we don't have like projected starters for starting pitchers. Uh, The lineups can be totally different. And it seems as though for softball, you can't have your cake and eat it too in the the case of we want all the coverage, but they're not willing to, you know, be more accommodating of things like that. The the turnaround time in between and double headers just has to be more coaches have to be a little bit more forthcoming with injuries have to be a little more forthcoming with lineups, things of that nature. Uh, I'm not asking to, for, you know, to give away all the, all the secrets, right? but you know, just being a little bit more open just in general to where you can get better coverage uh, that, and more knowledgeable coverage for the people that want to, that, that want to give you that coverage right. that, that want that, that want to be knowledgeable and want to be accurate in what they're saying. It's, it, it's sometimes very tough because, and, and I think a lot of it has to be because there wasn't that coverage. Maybe even as much as five or ten years ago, but as the spotlight gets gets brighter, same thing we were saying with uh, the committees in the last couple of years. And more more eyes are on you. The spotlight is brighter. You're going to have to be more responsible for your actions. You're going to have to be yes. You have to be able to defend yourself a little bit more. Probably going have to have to same thing of the coaches. They're going to have to be a little bit more forthcoming. Uh, play a little less close to the vest in certain certain situations. Again, not asking for you know to. Uh, put out all your all your tricks. Yeah, we don't need else. a depth chart
0: no. and an injury list. No, but. but we do want to tell your stories appropriately, and I want yeah. to give Patrick Murphy credit uh, with the Aubrey Barnhart situation. Sure, you know we like straight up asked. We we're like, "Hey, why is Shipman catching every <laughs> game this weekend?" Yeah, and he said he told us, sure. uh, which is good. Yeah, uh, I also want to credit like all the mid major schools. Typically, those are the most open coaches we talk to for the TV calls because yeah. they're like we are being we are visible. We are going to tell you everything. Ecstatic that they're being covered. Our Middle Tennessee call with Jeff Breeden, their head coach, he, at the end, told us three separate stories that he really wanted us to highlight in the broadcast that was important to his team and was
1: important to Middle Tennessee as a university. And I love that. Sure. It's It's great stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as the scheduling goes and, like, tournaments and things like that, I mean, we think we've started to see some movement in the positive direction with the new uh, schedule in Oklahoma City. Uh, But looking back to 2019, uh, Alabama beats Oklahoma walk off to force the if necessary game. And then they turn around and they force that game to start the if necessary game starts in 30 minutes. They haven't even they have barely opened the gates for people to come back in because they 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 had to take the entire crowd out. They emptied the stadium, bring it back in. So Alabama and Oklahoma playing the most important game. Uh, of the season for both of those teams for the chance to go to the national championship, and the stadium is like 10th of the way full on first pitch. Yeah. Uh, You've forced both teams to change dugouts from the game before that everything was so rushed for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. There was no reason. There was no other game. Like it had been. Almost somewhat understandable had there been another game after it that you were trying to get in uh, before it got too late, but there was no game after, There's no reason for there not to be an hour, you know, hour and a half. You could do a full total restart, rewarm up and everything, but it's just something about, and it's the way that softball has been in the past of, all right, we got to go we're ready to go next game, Next game go. It's not necessary. You don't have to do it that way. And if you're wanting to be covered correctly and fully Uh, you're going to have to be a little bit more accommodating to the media. And I know a lot of people that may be listening don't care about this, but as, as media people, we're just, just putting it out there. These are things that people are going to have to start taking into consideration. Yes. If you want more things like what would happen this past week, early on in February, getting such great softball on the, on the
0: mothership. And for tournaments like the Mardi Gras Mamba, I'm so excited. It's going to be fun, but I've also started building boards and looking at the number of teams playing in this Mm like there's no shot
1: we're on schedule no no shot i'm concerned about not only that but you know you're having this these many teams playing uh multiple fields do we have it staffed properly do we have enough people keeping score do we have enough people that are doing event management where are we sitting where where do we go where's radio at because louisiana has radio too right i i am concerned (laughs) Yes. <laughs> i would just i'll just say that we're going to do everything we can and we will be on the air in some form or fashion heck yeah but but wherever we are we need outlets <laughs> right we, we need electricity i would like to have internet but most importantly we got to have electricity do you feel good i feel better are you ready to step off i, I, I can get off the soapbox okay well done tom thank you very much
0: that was on our soapbox and now let's just transition into off the wall other people on soapboxes
1: that I don't need to be on off the wall.
0: Where do we go? Do you want to go for – I guess I should go because you just yeah. wax poetic about <laughs> just, tournaments yes. and whatnot. Yeah. All right, we've got some comments here. Let's take a take a gander. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a couple people asking, where are the bats? 11 strikeouts in six innings and only two hits. I was after Keely Rochard. Uh, and then somebody said, hey, as uh, Keely Rochard? Yeah. And the commenter said, uh, I hope she is that good. Because she had eleven strikeouts and only gave up two hits in six innings, like seriously, just exactly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. repeating what he, he said, said that already, right? Like Keely Rochard, Patrick Murphy made a great point in our interview. In game, there were three first-team All-American pitchers that were in the P category. You had some in at-large and whatnot. There were three first-team All-American pitchers last year. Two of them pitched at Rhodes on Friday: Montana Fouts and Keeley Rochard. Yeah. I had said last week, if Alabama scored three or four runs, that would be A+++, right. against Rochard. The fact that you were able to get a run with the right. timely hit, that you got it and not the other team, you are thrilled. Would you have liked to have had, had better at-bats the end of the game? Absolutely. For sure. There, right. there were some mistakes made at the end that we talked about sure. um, in the press box after, and I agree with – actually some of the comments that were made online
1: about it if you say you know i mean, need to be a little bit more aggressive need to have better approaches at the plate against Roche, even no matter regardless on the eliteness of the pitcher okay i'm yeah i will. that's 100, constructive i 100% agree with that just saying gotta hit better pitchers better that's not constructive and you know not fair because again this is an elite pitcher and you know this is a pitcher that was right there with montana fouls in the team usa tryouts yes you know so you have to take into consideration the opponent in some of these times all right next up if you only had two hits against El- Evansville then okay yes this we is... we would be right
0: yeah like the middle Tennessee game the first one I was thinking okay now this is a cause for concern but they figured it out so right. it was fine and you also had a I think you had a hangover from the a little the bit previous game yeah. next up somebody uh after the game story the second one this was this was like This was one of the most fun games I've I've ever called at Reds.
1: Absolutely. Like, ever. Amazing. Pitching
0: duel, you had a freshman bursting onto the scene as a fan of softball and watching that thing, and, like, holy cow, what a story. You've got Lexi Kilfoyle pitching great, the defense backing her up when she gets in a little trouble, and then it pretty much closes out with a, like, miracle home run after Alabama executes the inning perfectly, first pitch single, sack bunt first pitch home run, like everything is going according to plan. It's like a fantastic softball game and a really good win for Alabama third against the top 10 team that year. Boom. So on the game story, somebody says two nothing, not a magical win. And so somebody responds and said, did you not watch the game? It was great. It was pitchers duel. It was a lot of fun. It was just good softball all the way around. The person said, no, I didn't watch. (laughs) This is what we talked about in the early days of off the wall box score (sighs) fans. They see 2 nothing and think, oh, man, Alabama couldn't hit. Right. They couldn't get – they just couldn't string together hits as if they, like, should against everyone, no matter if Gabby Plain or Gabriella Corona is pitching. Mm -hmm. They should get 20 hits and score nine runs every game. Right. Like, if you can't watch the game, then don't comment on the game. Right. Like, that is the dumbest crap ever. You you cannot speak intelligently about something that you do not know. Right.
1: Yeah, the two things of, of of this comment that are just off the wall. Number one, yeah, commenting on a game, and then no, I didn't watch it. And then two, saying that okay, I've watched softball for twenty five years, and I know a two nothing win is is nothing to write home about. Like I don't know what softball you've been watching if you've never seen a great two nothing softball game because I've seen a lot of two nothing softball games that are a lot better than like a seven to five game where there's been both teams commit four errors and yes runs do not necessarily equate to excitement Mm, yeah i'll tell you what right now give
0: me that two nothing game 90 times a week and 180 on sunday compared to the 15 10 ucf texas debacle gross that that was an
1: ugly ugly game no terrible nobody even ucf didn't like that game and they won like that can't be no that's not that's not a great game the game that I referenced just a little while ago, the walk-off win for Alabama over Oklahoma, that was one nothing. It's up there for me. Oh, my that's gosh. It's up there. Alabama, a, a couple of years earlier, lost to Oklahoma twice by final scores of one nothing, And especially the game out in Fullerton was, even though Alabama lost, one of the favorite games that I ever called. Yeah. And it's because you're watching two, you're watching players being elite and playing at their top level. Yes. And that's what we saw in the virginia tech games with all four of the pitchers i thought were were just absolutely top notch in the one nothing and two nothing games same thing with osorio and parker back in the day there i mean watching two pitchers just duel it out and the offense is trying to find a way to scratch a run across i mean that's that is as compelling as anything so to say that it's not
0: magical but also like the graphic talks about how virginia tech is number eight in the country i you could win 90 to nothing or half a point to nothing if that were even possible i would not care it's a
1: top 10 win right so and alabama has three of them and you look at it we talked about it earlier that offensively you might not have had as much pop here this weekend as there was in weekend number one but i felt just as good about the offense after this week than i did out in tucson Yes, you got the timely hits. Right. So it's about looking doing more than just looking at number of runs and number of home runs and and equating that to a good offense or a bad offense. Watch the game. If you're gonna comment, watch the game. All right. So do you have anything you want to add? Well, I would I would one other thing. Okay, so when we do like you you posted on Twitter today talking about you know the streaming situation. Yes. We're trying to let everybody know let everybody know the streaming situation. If a game is not being streamed and it's only on the radio maybe don't comment on the radio guys saying how disappointed you are about it. Yeah. Yeah. That, (laughs) that happened a couple of times. You may not mean it, but I'm taking it a little bit personally. I've watched Alabama every pitch of an Alabama game since 2015 Everyone that's happened, I've been there for and covered and talked and described almost yes. all of them. So I'm just saying, I hope that you will like take some of that experience into account that maybe I know what I'm talking about when I'm describing this to you and you're going to get as good as it possibly can be without being able to watch it sometimes on a very poor stream. I'm proud of the job that we do. <laughs> I am proud of the analysis that I try
0: and put in about the pictures. Like I, I don't, it's not BS. Yeah. Like I actually sit and watch film for yeah. hours to yes. try and give you the listener somewhat of a clue mm.
1: about what this pitcher's backdoor curve looks like All right. would you rather have that or have what we apparently heard was a terrible product put out from tucson when the games that were streamed which one which one was better think about that when you're commenting on how disappointed you are that that you're gonna have to only listen to us for a weekend. i mean it's just one
0: weekend like what's the <laughs> right work? I mean, I, are, you, are you gonna lose sleep because you couldn't watch alabama versus northwestern state right
1: because like is that keeping you up at night because the 12 nothing victory over southeast louisiana wasn't available for you to oh, see. we'll have the gopro anyways so right. you get to
0: watch us You'll be able to watch, watch us. that
1: <laughs> and also like because uh on friday uh we also had crimson size force network had their booth camp yes so you got to if you wanted to you could just watch me call the game and listen to me call the game that way. And see uh, me like right, try and get your attention right. in yes. the background. So there's that going on. Several people asked, can you turn the camera around? No, they can't. <laughs> it's streaming on ESPN. No. Do they really? Yes. <laughs> there's a reason why. During, there's a reason why I'm doing football, football games. You're seeing Eli Gold. During basketball games, you're seeing Roger. Or you're seeing Chris Stewart that's what we're able to do we're not allowed <laughs> to show the game there are there are contracts there are rights i feel uh, like i got back on the soapbox there I wow remember. that was funny <laughs> it's okay
0: i know that there are plenty of people muting me and timing in you so i know how this works it's
1: fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know the haters and losers out there they just want me to shut up <laughs> they, they
1: just they just want to hear the obviously biased guy not the guy that has to be <laughs>
0: okay that's off the wall Uh, before we sign off should we do it one more time there is no streaming no this weekend friday to sunday thursday is on espn plus you can watch that if you want to pay for espn plus which i did because i wanted to watch all of clearwater Mm -hmm. but i'm going to keep it the rest of the year because i have a feeling we're going to see more softball on the plus for espn not sec plus but on friday through sunday there is nothing except radio so just again i I, like don't dm me
1: i will defer to the pod and to my earlier tweet and also again you're asking us to point me in the direction where i don't have to listen to you (laughs) no and if someone comments here's a way to stream it don't yeah don't don't get your money taken don't give it to the greater give it to us just kidding (laughs) (laughs) if you just want to give your money away we're available
0: all right but if they want to tune in tom how do they do so
1: Uh, You can always uh, go if you're on in Tuscaloosa, go on the air over the radio at 97.5 FM. I want to add in in Tuscaloosa, not Daphne, not Birmingham, not Lake
0: Martin, not Montgomery, not Atlanta. All the people who are saying yeah, I'm right. in like, Anion- no, Tuscaloosa. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't reach much farther than no. that. Well, this is not
1: jocks. Right. This is, and even jocks, I can't get in Huntsville. Yeah, at some point it goes out. That's how we can do a whole thing on how radio works later. But in Tuscaloosa, 97.5 FM on the radio and go to Nick975.com to listen live on a website. Download the MeTV 97.5 app. And that, has, uh, that will have it there as well. So you can take that anywhere you have a phone with either 4 or 5G or, mm. or Wi-Fi and you got it there. So anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. So that's uh, the MeTV 97.5 app, Nick97.5.com, uh, 97.5 FM in Tuscaloosa. If you need links, to any of those, just go to RollTide.com on the schedule page. They will have links to listen live. Uh, most of the social media posts will have links as well. Uh, from Alabama. So just uh, hit on any of those. Just push the button. And
0: from us, at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson. I'm going to, like every day, I'm tweeting out these links. I'm like, I am trying to hammer it home to where my goal is one, where can I watch tweet? Because I know one person will miss. Sure. But any more than one, and I'm going to be pissed.
1: (laughs) Because like, seriously, guys. Come on, people. And something else too, we talked about uh, at the beginning of the season, the varsity app. That is going to be available. You'll be able to hear us uh, starting in April. Yes, the Georgia
0: series. Yes,
1: the Georgia series will be the first one that will be on Varsity app and full on because uh, we are on local only until then, but then we'll be on the full network and the Varsity app and such.
0: All right. Uh, You already mentioned your Twitter. Go ahead and give it. T Canterbury RTR on the Twitter. So unbiased. Mm -hmm. At out of the box underscore pod. I don't want people to think we're in like a bad mood because there were a lot of grievances that were aired in this podcast, but... I feel like 80 to 95% of the people that are listening are like nodding their yeah. head. I mean, yes. like we're just trying, We what we're trying to do is make life easier for you with, yes. the, with the talk about the streaming. We're not trying to be smart asses. We're trying to right. like let you know what's going to happen. Because we saw what happened on week one. And we're yes. trying
1: to eliminate that from it. We
0: are getting out in front. Mm-hmm. I feel good about it. I'm that not like, but I also am really pleased with where the sport is. We've talked about that. I think, I think this year, like Oklahoma looks really good. They're going to be in the world series. Sure. Are they going to win it? No idea. I, I see right now a six-team race for national championship contender to me that can get bigger as the year goes on and probably isn't going to get smaller.
1: Yeah. I, I think any of the complaints or the, the constructive criticism that we have right now is just tightening the screws. Yes. It's not like things don't need full overhauls. We're just, we, get, we got to they just tighten the screws because we're coming to a point where we're as a sport about to outgrow the previous formula that we have yes
0: all right that's the pod thank you to amanda thank you to ourselves i guess for talking (laughs) yes for unknown amount of time (laughs) what a show though we thank you for tuning in to another episode of out of the box we're grateful for all the support please keep coming back again there is no streaming here this weekend it's all on radio oh my god i just saw that (laughs) wow
1: Somewhere Nathan Sheehan is laughing because he's been memed. This is awesome. I'm gonna retweet this from uh, from T Canterbury RPR.
0: Wait, wait, wait. We're gonna stop the conclusion. Oh, no, no, yeah, oh, yeah, And we're gonna pick it right back up. This is this is a delayed recording. It's gonna be just slid in. You're not gonna know, except I'm telling you. We're adding something to Off the Wall. Because we were looking,
1: as you heard, we were just talking about it, as we were concluding. We were excited because Nathan Sheehan, our sports information director, extraordinaire. Yes. Uh, the purveyor of Nate's thirsty, which is coming up soon on, on the Box podcast, got a meme. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. It's great. And then yes. I looked into why. Oh,
0: Guys, come on. Why are, why are there so many people out there who just don't want to have fun? Refusing to like, have joy. Like, no, I don't get it. I don't get it. Bama U is a softball thing. It has been around forever. Like before my time. Like, yes.
1: And like I said, this is my eighth season. This is before. It's been around at least 10 years.
0: Yeah. The OG Bama U folks, uh, they crafted this, I think, 2011, 2012. Like this has been a while, mm-hmm. a- along for a while. And it was picked up by the team as like kind of what you are. It's, it's like almost like a almost like a fraternity right. sort of thing. Yes. A fraternity, sorority, like it, it, like it is your group. Softball, as long as I have known it, has always been Bama U. We we have been the Bama U support staff. Everybody, when they hit a double, flashes the U. Right. This is not breaking news. This is literally this has literally been going on for a decade. And why do you give a crap? Right. Like, are you hurt at
1: all by Kaylee Tao flashing the U after a double? Yeah. So as we're looking into that, there was a quick little video of Alabama players doing the Bama U sign. Which they have done
0: forever, right? right. Like,
1: as long as I've been around, and you has been flashed. Excited for the game. This is uh, all in like pre-game over you know over the few days of the weekend, and there are some people that are upset about it, and I don't know why you would be upset about it. But no there are people that are upset that Alabama is because they're not we're not Alabama University or the, it's Bama U. It's 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 not new. It's softball's thing. Why? Why are if you're if you haven't followed softball enough to know that that's the thing then why are you at this point upset about it? And if you are upset about it, why do you feel the need to comment about it? Just move on with your life. It's okay. It'll be okay. Similar to you know, commenting on game stories of games you don't watch. If it wasn't important enough for you to watch the game, again, just move on with your life.
0: I, I don't be under- upset
1: about... Stop being I understand upset.
0: confusion and being like... Right. Because like, I don't think anyone's ever outright said this is right. what this means. Yeah. And honestly, the, the origin story... There like, are multiple origins. Yes. So, like, they're, they, yeah. like that's a whole other podcast right? in itself. But that, that there's like 12, no reason to be angry about
1: it. And like 12 people would care. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, we're probably not going to do that special. But why? I don't understand. Just let people enjoy stuff. I don't know why that this is a thing. And it's, it's a, a outreach and an outbranch of social media in general. If someone says something in general, if someone says something you disagree with on social media, just keep scrolling, move on with your life. But, uh, but just, if someone's having fun, let people enjoy themselves. Like, there was a, I posted a, my my picture from In-N-Out mm. in Tucson. Yes, very good. So good. Love love going to In-N-Out. Got people saying, eh, oh, In-N-Out is overrated. I don't like it. I don't care what you like. This was my lunch. And why do you feel the need to comment on it? I don't, why? I don't understand people having that mindset of, somebody's having fun let me get let me bring them down yeah all possible just it's just crazy
0: like the softball team this is not new this has been a thing forever mm-hmm. we it look, see see the ring up there from the 2019 sec regular season championship you know what i've yes. got on the inside we could pick what we wrote right i had ctsn because mm-hmm. that's what we did that's what we did that's what we are and yeah. i had Bama you in there yes like this is not breaking news i'm not all of a sudden taking that to the ring shop or whatever to get it scrubbed off i've made a terrible mistake
1: oh we understand okay anything else to add let people enjoy things just let us be happy just let people be happy it's been
0: a bad couple years let us thrive okay back to our regularly scheduled closing (laughs) (laughs) Okay. from my partner tom canterbury i'm gray robertson big weekend in louisiana We'll see you there. We'll have koozies and stickers if you swing by Youngsville. And we'll see you next time on the Out of the Box podcast. There is no streaming this weekend.